And there we go. We are back for another fantastic episode of Friday Night Counter-Attack. And you know what? It's, it's a long time coming, this episode, because I kind of wanted to do this back when he kind of started, when he started all the way back in October 2020 for the lockdown as well. I thought, you know what? These are the type of episodes I thought it would be really good to kind of do. But then we got sidetracked and then one thing led to another and it became a different type of podcast. But this is the kind of thing I wanted to do in the first place from my own podcast. So if you are listening to this episode, you are listening to a Manchester United focus episode where we are going to be talking about our unsung heroes from our club, Manchester United. And I just invite two of my friends who are big Manchester United fans, who have a big social media and online presence uh, regarding Manchester United as well. And we couldn't stop talking about Manchester United if we tried on social media, in real life. And we've got two of my friends from up and down the country who I've had the pleasure of meeting this year. And it's been great to talk to them off camera and on camera about Manchester United. So as you can tell, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, we're going to be talking about Liverpool, we're going to be talking about mental health, or we're going to be talking about this. No, it's Manchester United, Manchester United and Manchester United. So, right, to introduce my two guests that I've got today, uh, we have got Double A from the Talking Kit podcast. Double A, why don't you introduce yourself in a better way than I can? So here you are, Double Double A. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on again. Obviously, clearly did all right in my, in my debut appearance to get a second cap. So, obviously, thank you very much uh, for that. It's great to be back on. Um, yeah, so I'm one third of Talking Kit, um, the greatest football kit content on YouTube. I have to say that because it's true. Um, also, you can see me on, I'm all over the show at the moment, to be fair. Obviously, Trafford Tunnel, never a foul. Um, managed to get myself a regular spot on Saeed as well. Saeed TV doing something on Sunday night with Flawless uh, and Andy Tate, which is which is brilliant. So yeah, I, I'm getting about a little bit at the moment. Um, I could, could go call me a journeyman. I'm, I'm I'm flitting around clubs a little bit, but it's all fun. And you know, like you said, getting to talk about the club you love is not much better. And it, when it's not boring, the life out of my girlfriend, and it's actually talking to people who care and want to talk about it back to you, it um, it means more, obviously. You and me both, in terms of the fact you can just talk to regular people who actually want to talk about your club in that kind of nostalgic way as well. And in terms of the fact that you're a journeyman, the way that I see it with your kind of um, different types of content that you're doing, this could, this could probably be like your, your League Cup or your FA Cup third round and type of uh, competition that you've got coming on with Friday Night Counter-Attack. So in terms of you're just taking it easy, you may be getting a couple of 70-minute appearance of getting subbed off later on as well. You're all right for this one. You don't have as, as much pressure. You're a bit free in this role as well, which would be quite good. Or it'll remind me of the time of when, like, you're seeing Robin van Persie play or Ruud van Nistro play against, like, Shrewsbury or Yeovil. Or even Di Maria versus Yeovil. And he just comes on. Uh, but he's definitely not one of my cult heroes from Manchester United. So we're going <laughs> to leave that out as well. And my, my next and final guest for today's podcast is one of my friends who I owe him a gift. And I went all the way to Milan to buy him a gift. Because I did say at foot golf, if someone scores a hole in one at foot golf, I will buy them a gift. And I bought him a gift and I have to deliver it this week. So um, that's not the best of introductions. But Mark Safo, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. Please introduce yourself for our listeners better than I just did. Wow, I mean, there's no way I'm topping double A's intro. Like, he said all of that, and I was just like, shit, what am I going to say about myself? <laughs> We're slacking here, Mark. We're slacking here. We need to do more. Oh, so much well, um, thank you for having me on. Um, content creator that, that discusses United, you catch me on uh, Trafford Tunnel. Um, you see me on socials as well, so Twitter. I also play a bit of football on a Sunday, so yeah, for Enfield United. Um, but other than that, 
you just catch me on the social just discussing Man United. My second favourite team in red, shout out to Luke, the manager, and to Toby, the right back, who should really be attacking more. If you're listening, Toby, you better be attacking more as well. <laughs> mark, mark for future reference as well, like Enfield United is like our, uh, it's like my old hometown, basically, where I used to live. And then like a lot of my school friends created a, a team in Enfield. So like Mark plays with the team that a lot of my school friends used to play for. And they wear red, white and black. So it's kind of like an old Man United one. But the manager, Luke, is an Arsenal fan. So it's just red in that respect as well which is the case. Um, but yeah, cracking on with this week's episode, I'm looking forward to discussing this a lot more because, um, yeah, realistically speaking, I was thinking when I was away from the UK, I was thinking, what kind of content do I want to do this season? Do I want to continue doing the same kind of um, reviewing games, doing scout reports, whatever I like to do on the podcast? Or do I want to have a bit more fun? Do I want to have a, a, a bit more um, excitement when I'm getting ready for a podcast and I thought you know what let's go down this route it may not be what people are used to but you know what I want to have a bit of a laugh this time around in terms of um, what we can go forward with this season as well and um, football vlogs we've seen that already football we've seen that already and this is what we're going to be doing on the podcast we're going to be doing a lot more of uh, kind of football drafts more of our fiver sides what we kind of specialize in when we first started as well so uh, for everyone who hasn't listened to one of these before we're going to set the scene we're going to be doing our own five-a-side Manchester United cult hero teams. And how that works is there's only a few rules, really. One rule is you can't pick the same player as someone else. So if someone else has picked Andy Cole, you can't pick Andy Cole. The next one is um, basically we're just going to be discussing all of our favourite cult heroes in detail. So you can go into as many details as, as you want, Mark and Double A. There is no limit on how much you want to say or not say about a player. So realistically speaking, at the end of this, we normally put it out on social media. We see which cult hero team is the best. So we normally do like five a side of the week as we normally do. Normally, I tend to lose, but I say on the podcast, we're going to win to hype it up. That probably makes me lose a bit more. Um, But I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. It's going to be one turn each. We're going to start each other up with a wild card one. So we normally start back to front, like goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, attacker. You don't have to pick a goalkeeper if you don't want to. If you're going to play five attackers, five midfielders, the choice is yours. It's absolutely fine. Um, but we're going to start with Mark. Mark, you're going to start with your own wild card pick. So this can be your favourite player ever. It could be a cult hero who you think doesn't get the plaudits he deserves. But we're going for a bit of originality. We're going for a bit of uh, tenacity as well in terms of Man United and what Man United used to be like in terms of being a tenacious team to face on a pitch. And for us to play it on a five-a-side pitch as well, that's how we like to imagine it. If you're playing at goals, if you're playing at power league in these cages that you see all the time, that's what we're kind of looking for as well. But Mark, I'll let you start first with your uh, wildcard pick for this Manchester United cult here. Um, any position, yeah? Any position. I'm going to start off with my striker. And I'm going to go left and say Louis Saha. Ooh, I do um, like Louis Saha. I do like Louis and Saha. I, and I'm going to say that because even though he was quite in injury prone like what he brought to the side when he was fit it was he was able to bring out the best of people and the way that United fans talk about sort of the striker they need now is what Lewis Saha was back then and that was about this was like 2007 2006 hmm. 2008 and he was like the glue to to the side that went on to win the Champions League and whatnot like a lot of people said that it would be a mistake selling Van, selling Van Nistelrooy but Louis Saha was able to step up and he was a different type of striker to sort of like Van and to the strikers that we had before. Like he wasn't necessarily a 
25 goal plus striker or do you know what I mean? He was he was someone that was a brilliant footballer, someone that brought out the best in someone. And like I know people talk about like Benzema now, Martial, Firmino. Sorry, I don't need to interrupt, but the way you said they bring out the best of someone, he definitely brought out the best of our, fo- our fellow attackers, Partridge, Sung, Ronaldo, Rooney. They were coming into the that stage. Everyone, and, like, and he was the one that brought them into play a lot more as well. Sorry, carry on, but I just need like, to throw that in there. He had, he had, he had, the thing is, the thing about Luis is he had everything. So he was back towards goal. He could play left foot, right foot, aerial ability. I, remember, I even remember like one of the goals that he scored against Man United for Fulham. Was ridiculous, and I remember we ended up signing him after the like not too long after the game. But he was such a good player for Man United, and I definitely feel like he's someone that doesn't get enough plaudits because when he used to play up front with Wayne Rooney, it was, it was class. I mean, he, he was class, man. I, I think I remember um, we beat Chelsea 1 0, and uh, Lusar picked up the ball from about like 30 yards and just slapped it past Petr Cech on his left foot. Um, I think that was one of the games that went on that helped us go on to win a title because I remember Chelsea were quite were, were lurking behind us at the time. But yeah, Mandiosa, man, I think he's definitely like um, a player that doesn't get talked about uh, in Man United colours. Double A, you have to continue that as well. If we don't talk about Luis Sahara a lot, we are definitely talking about him tonight. So go ahead, Double A. What have we got about Luis? Yeah. No, it's, it's such a good pick. And, you know, I, I, like Mark was saying, I remember that game against Fulham. We scored two goals, didn't we? I think we won 3-2. Yeah, yeah. Was it Van Nistelrooy's uh, debut no, no, as well? That was the 3-1 we lost, I think. Was it 3-1? Did we win or did we lose? I think we lost. You're you talking, you talking about that Old Trafford? No, Craven Cottage. No, but he scored, I think he scored a free kick against Man United at Old ah, Trafford. Right. But then there, was a, there was a 3-1 win where um, Fulham beat us at Old Trafford. Where oh yeah, no, yeah, I was at that game. I, I, I was thinking it was the two thousand one, wasn't it? When he scored two goals against yeah. United, yeah, we ended up winning three two. I think it was both. And then two his debut one, goal. his debut one was when he scored against Southampton with that deflected free kick as well. So he scored one oh, goal yeah. officially, and then that deflected free kick. I don't know if that counts yeah. or not as well. But no, he, he, he was a, he was a great striker. And he, I, he was one player I always wanted United to sign, and then when we did. I was made up because he's another great attacker in, in, in what was always a, a free-flowing United attack. And he added a different element, like Matt was saying. He wasn't, like I say, that 25-goal uh, season striker. But what he brought to that team was immeasurable. And it's just a shame them injuries, them injuries stopped him from having what could have been a great Manchester United career. I think, you know, if it wasn't for the injuries, do we get Tevez? I don't think we do. I think he stays. Um, and... And even, even maybe even Berbatov, you know, we don't maybe don't we'll get him if, if he's on that high level consistently. Yeah. But it's just a shame that what happened happened and he didn't manage to fulfil what he probably hoped in his United career. But yeah, he he was a he was a great Premier League striker and you know he, he went on and played at Everton, he played at Spurs as well, didn't he? So he still had a great career. But and and he he still speaks fondly of the club as well. He still does bits for MUTV and you can tell what it meant for him to represent Manchester United. And I think, yeah, he definitely doesn't get spoken about enough, but he, he was a great player. My favourite moment of Louis Saha was when he scored that away goal um, to Benfica in that Champions League group yeah. stage as well. Because yeah. the yeah. season or two before, we got knocked out the Champions League in the group stages away at Benfica as well. Benfica. So yeah, yeah. he put the whole demons to bed of losing again in, in Portugal and we won, which is quite good as well. And, 
that was again at the time when young Rooney and young Ronaldo were coming through. I think that was the season when Ryan Nistori had left and it was Sahar Rooney. Um, the white yeah. kit. The white, the white kit with yeah, the gold yeah, trim yeah, yeah, on the yeah, side yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Out of 10, out of 10 double what would you rate that kit? That 2007 away kit? Oh, is that, that's the Skulls volley against uh, Villa. Yeah. yeah. It. I love that. Both of them kits, you know, it's a shame. I think they were the first kits we had just for one season. Um, yeah, G. The home, the home one, the home one's beautiful. But that, that away one, I like it. Yeah, the black and black and white with a little gold trim. Yeah, very nice. I'd, I'd give it a solid eight, I'd say. Eight out of ten. Nice done. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Lusa Ha is someone that I genuinely appreciated as well. And that remember at the time as well, that was when in English football we could only have five subs. So when we did buy Alan Smith as well, and we did buy Wayne Rooney, it was one of those things that. Sahar was only out of the squad because of injury. Otherwise, he'd yeah. be replacing one of them on the bench where the other two would be starting in that 4-4-2 yeah. that Sir Alex Ferguson would be playing as well. And he was someone that you could link up play really well. His, he was kind of like a modern striker that you kind of see now doing bits and pieces across the front line. He wouldn't play as a winger, but he would go into the channels. He'd run, he'd take on a man, he'd draw people out of position. He's a very intelligent striker. And obviously, mm. he got his French caps at the same time as around Trezeguet and Nelka, Henri as well. So it goes to show that, and a young Benzema at the time as well. So it goes to show that he was in this squad of pretty good strikers as well. But it goes to show that injuries was the only thing that kind of ruined it for him going forward. But I was a big fan of Luis Zaha and I was really happy to see him as a Manchester United player as well. And um, I don't know, what was, the, what was the highest he scored for Man United? Was like 40... 12 or something like that. Yeah. 12, 13. He wasn't, he wasn't very He wasn't prolific. prolific. Yeah. yeah. But he was just very. It's one of those weird ones. It's like he wasn't prolific, but it was a better side with him inside, mm. even though he wasn't scoring goals. So, like for him, for us, I should say, like if he was in the squad, it allowed sort of like Ronaldo to do what he was doing or Rooney to do what he's doing. But then it's like when he wasn't playing, like it was very evident that like, we needed someone of his of his ilk to 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 knit things together, man. He was just I'm, I'm a, I think I remember. I'm trying to think of like, like was it to be Arsenal? I think I don't know. I think it might have been Arsenal, and he he just played out of his socks. He was just so so good, man. But like he just so, he's just one of those players where like I don't know, man. Maybe like ten years time, like the Premier League might do something like like a program, and then they might just mention him as like yeah. a main like, representative. Right? But he was so good, man. Yeah, it was a quality strike. It's someone who definitely deserves a lot more plaudits than he gets. And this is exactly why we're doing a podcast like this as well, because we are diving into the plays that people do forget and people may not know a lot about as well. So, again, score, scoring around 40, 42 goals, if I remember correctly, for Man United in three, four seasons that he had. Again, mm. all of them filled with injuries. And it just goes to show that if he had a, a really good season of just full fitness, I think the most he had was 2006, 2007. And then he just cracks on from there. And we actually won the league in that season for the first yeah, time in three yeah. years when he was mostly fully fit as well. Now, excellent shout there, Mark, for your uh, wildcard pick for this five-a-side team each. Go on, Double A. You are my next guest. So you are the one with the next wildcard. So it could be any player. Any player. Well, I mean, if you can pick any player from Manchester United's history, it's only going, it's only going to be one. And it's my favourite player to ever put on the red shirt of Manchester United. He's on the back of that shirt behind me. Is of course the king Eric Cantona. I couldn't pick yeah, a five aside without having Cantona in. He means, you know, you can call him the catalyst, the reason that we won so many titles. You know, he started all off in 1992, 93. It's it what it, what he means to Manchester United fans is, is immeasurable. He still gets his 
his songs sung regular, especially every Christmas, uh, the 12 Days of Cantona. Um, I mean, there's not much. Everyone knows him. Every, football, you just know him. And I just think in a, in a five-a-side team of players, and I can have any player, I, I can't not pick him. He's, he's my favourite player of all time. It'd be it'd be strange not to if I could do. So, yeah, I mean, he's you know, I've still got, I used to have these videos of him. Yeah, when I was very, very young. That's how young I was. It was videos. Uh, I used to have one as well. It was like a green cassette and it was like 50 best goals of Manchester United during the 1990s. And you just put in, you're hearing Sharp, you're hearing Kachelskis, you're hearing Eric Cantona <laughs> all the time with the kind of goals yeah. that he was getting as well. But um, So this this one, this one was just about him. And it, it's like, it's about United and he's talking and it's it's, it's like, not, not arty, but it's got them very French elements in it and stuff like that. But, it's like a club. It was like a club shot video, but it's. I've still got it now. Even so, I've got them on DVD and just watching it takes me back to being a kid and just wanting to emulate everything that he did. And he's he's my idol football wise. I've got other ones, you know. I talk about R nine as well and Ronaldinho, but Cantona means more than than any other footballer ever has for me. So yeah, wild card. It gonna be one guy for me, and that's the king. If you were to sum up Eric Cantona in one footballing moment that he had, what would it be? Double A and Y. And he's had so many, so you have to well, pick one. Well, yeah, people will say kicking the fan, but <laughs> for me, for me, it'd be the FA Cup final goal um, against Liverpool. Uh, not only is it a great finish, and you think, and that was the is... season as well. Sorry to interrupt. That was the season when they wore all white, wasn't it, to the final with Liverpool? Yeah, the Spice Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the one. Yeah, Insane, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. and you so think, I think it was, after, it was the season after we come back from the ban. Yeah. Um, obviously, his first game back was against Liverpool. He scored that penalty. Um, was it a two-all draw? I think it was. Um, and then, obviously, in it, we, to do the double comes back. Uh, and my favourite bit about the goal, obviously, the, the the amount of people in the box, it manages to find a way through. But for me, the the most the most beautiful thing about that goal is the little step back he takes to hit it, and it's just a wonderful. It just it just exemplifies what he was and. The class he had, and yeah, that that would be my favorite favorite Cantona moment, I think. Yeah, because that was again, I think he was captain that that game as well. Steve Roos wasn't playing at the same time, so yeah. he was the one leading yeah. them out after the ban, obviously in the final. He was the one leading it. I think like a eight sixth minute, eight seventh minute. I don't know, remember, don't remember the yeah, exact minute. It was deep, yeah, it was deep into the game, it was getting closing out. Yeah, no, it was crazy to see how he can do that, and again with no other thought in his mind, but just just yeet it in the top corner as well. That was literally yeah, the best epitome beautiful. of Eric Cantona as a footballer as well. Go on, Mark, talk to us. If there's anything you can take away from Eric Cantona, the footballer, what have you taken away from him as the footballer whilst watching him at Man United? Um, personality. Hmm. Personality, man. I mean, so as the footballer, like you get you get people that are just, they go about their business and you, do, you don't see or hear from them ever again. But with Cantona, he was just like, he was just so confident. Like, it just seemed natural. Like, I remember, I think he scored the lob and he had the, the collar up and he just turned around like, like this is just normal to me. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he got the collar like, on as well. Like, to just like, it was just like, did you see what I did? That's, that's, that's normal. I do that every single day. And I was just like, yeah. he was just very charismatic. Like, he knew he was good. I think that's what it was. He was, he was sort of like a... I don't want to call him arrogant, but it was like it was like a good arrogance. It was like I know I'm good. It was a confidence. 
Yeah, and it was like, yeah. and his thing was always, was, his thing was always like, I am going to raise the level of the team and I'm going to do it by playing well at all times. Like, his thing was always just sort of like, like playing well. And I think, when did he come in, 92? Yeah, 92, yeah. 93, when Dion Dublin yeah. got injured. I remember that with yeah. Dion Dublin's podcast on the Man United one. I think, I think people, people were doubting about, I think people were doubting him because how much he cost. I think he cost about like two mil or something like that. I can't remember. Which would have been a lot in, in those days. But people were doubting him. And it was like, he came in and then like, the shift, there was like the shift, like the seismic shift had just, had just, had just begun. And it was like, he was like the catalyst of everything that, I know people talk about the class of 92 or whatever, but it was like, he, his arrival just put everyone on notice. Like, because, they wrote, they wrote him off and he was like, nah, 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 nah. The king's here, baby. The king has arrived. No um, one's been called the king in football since, which is mad. It's and so it was mad. Like, Not just at Man United, but in football. football so yeah. I mean, that, that just reminds the, the sort of character he is, man. Like, he's just, he's just one of those, I don't know, I don't want to say that one in a lifetime, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those players that they just come and go, like, they just come and then don't don't like, you can't replicate them like, you know don't... people say generational yeah simple as that it's generational yeah I, I mean like when you when you hear people like you hear people that like, are oh, compared to me you hear like people like Berbatov and that they're just not quite him are they like, mm. you know it's like <laughs> night and day I mean, yeah night and day just an insult to him as yeah, a character as a man as a just, footballer just different man just different 100% and that's kind of why I needed to talk about why I kind of got no, I didn't really get into football. It's just um a nice little story that I think I've told on this podcast before, but years ago. It's in terms of the fact that when I became a Man United fan and I went to my first game with my uncle way back when, I think it was when Man United beat Arsenal 5-1 or 6-1 um in 2001. That was my first game and I wasn't a season ticket holder or anything. He is so shout out to my uncle who's now in his 37th year of being a season ticket holder, which is insane. I remember going to the game and I remember asking him, I was like, who's your favourite ever Man United player? And this was just, it was just straight Cantona. And then I've asked him since, Cantona. I've asked him recently, Cantona. After everything, Eric Cantona. So after going from like 1986 to 2022, who's his favourite player? Eric Cantona. Because of what we've seen, what he's done, how he's transcended football, how he's transcended trying to uh, disrupt the established order of racism in the country as well, by actually putting someone in the ground with not not in the ground but obviously you know what I mean just kicking him to the ground yeah. with his shoes as well which was great to see and I think Eric Hansen is someone who honestly just he's just someone that you can't hate as a Man United fan whatever is done as a player you can't hate what he's done because he was the one who would get a, a goal out of nowhere he'd be the kind of one to get a draw into a win a defeat into a draw whatever it was and he'd be the one to inspire people and you're looking at the young players that came through at that time David Beckham, Roy Keane, Gary Neville, Ryan Giggs, Nicky Butt, Scholes. The young players coming through there were inspired by him. That he was a, he was the main man. He was the talisman of that team, and that's how some of them became even better leaders and even better characters and even better players because, arguably, because of Eric Cantona. And I think that's definitely one of the things that David Beckham has said in the past. Ryan Giggs has said in the past, and Roy Keane has definitely said in the past as well. So yeah. it goes to show that Eric Cantona was more of a player, more of a man than most teams will ever get in their lifetime and I'm really happy to say as a Manchester United player um, as well and a fantastic pick for your wild card double A so yeah nicely done cheers cheers 
My turn. Um, I'm going a bit left field, but I'm going for someone who I definitely need in this cult hero team because I can't afford any of you guys picking him. And he's someone who I really didn't get to watch live. He's someone that I'm kind of going against my own rule. I never really saw him live, so I never really saw him play. But he was someone who just transcended the way Manchester United were at the time. He showed that they can be better than what they were at the time as well. And he brought standards up to a whole new level at the time as well. And I'm talking about Captain Marvel, Brian Robson. I knew you were going to go there. Yeah. I, I, need, I needed to put him in because again at the time as well, Man United are famed for this in terms of breaking the transfer record. I think they broke the British transfer record at the time, one and a half million pounds in 1981 when he got him um, at Manchester United as well. And at the time, Manchester United weren't doing that well. We were being dominated by Liverpool. We were losing to Leeds. We weren't really doing that great I think in 19 the 1970s we were in the division two as well so we weren't even doing that great in terms of um as a club so we kind of needed a spark we needed a spark after um obviously what happened in 1968 as well so we needed a bit more in terms of how we can develop further Dennis Law was at Manchester City we kind of lacked our players after Sir Bobby Charlton and uh Dennis Law and uh George Best were leaving or had left at the time as well so we were kind of thinking you know what where can we go from here who's going to be our next catalyst in our team and it was Brian Robson at the time. He was someone who, when you're watching your YouTube videos, when you're, if you're a coach listening to this, needed to teach your kids, if you're a father listening to this and you're remembering how Brian Robson was as a player, show your kids this. Show them a documentary, Robbo, of how he was as a man, how he was as a player. He was extraordinary. He was someone who actually could have gone to Liverpool if Man United didn't go in for a bid for him as well. And I'm really glad that we did. He was a fantastic <laughs> player to actually go and watch to really inspire people not just for Man United but for England as well and I remember my main memory of him is the fact that I did see him on this little video that I had when I was younger and he was one of the elder statesmen in the team full of younger players full of the likes of Roy Keynes and the Eric Cantonals who were young at the time as well and realistically speaking it was when he kind of won I don't know if it was he was in that team Double you may be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but was he one of the players that actually won the European Cup Winners' Cup in Barcelona? Yeah, it's in 91. Yeah, he, 91. He, was, he was in that team. Yeah, yeah. And then he wasn't the one who scored, but who's um he was in that team. Mark Hughes scored, didn't he, in that game? I think he scored yeah. two both goals, Mark Hughes. That was it. Mark Hughes, that's why Mark Hughes has got his folklore in Man United history from there as well. And it was a two-one win. I think it was in Rotterdam as well, but it's just the fact that. Uh, Brian Robson was our Captain Marvel. He was the epitome of a leader on the pitch. And if you're hearing me say Captain Marvel when you're thinking of Brie Larson from the Marvel films, you <laughs> are mistaken by your generational gap as well. So I do need to say the original Captain Marvel, it's not Shazam, it's not Brie Larson in Captain Marvel, it is Brian Robson as well. And he's yeah. someone who, honestly, I think, I don't know if Sarah Ferguson said this in his, do in his documentary or in his autobiography, but I think he's someone who, really could have stayed an extra season or two when the young players were coming in. But obviously at the time, there was only three subs available um, for, a, for a squad in the Premier League at the time. And the Premier League was coming into its own after the old Division 1. And for me, Brian Robson was that good transitional player of going from Division 1 type of football to Premier League football. And the fact that it was a lot more commercialised. He was our star man at the time before Eric Cantona came in. And Sarantz Ferguson kind of knew that as well. So he kind of needed to change his way about it. But... Um, yeah, Brian Robson. Again, I haven't really told you much about how he was as a player, but all I can remember from Brian Robson was the goals, was the people at, the, at Old Trafford talking about him. Because you'll hear him go to Old Trafford all the time. He'll be an ambassador for the club. He's someone who's epitomised hard work, uh, epitomised dedication, playing for the badge. And that's something that I first saw with 
with Brian Robson as well. So I need to shout Brian Robson out and I need to be greedy and keep him in my team as well. You can have your Reedies, you can have your Ronaldos, but I need my Brian Robson in my team, man. It needed to be done. Um, Double A, what do you have to add on uh, Brian Robson? Also, is yeah, Brian Robson I mean, a sir yet? Or is he just a mister? Nah, I don't think OBE, he's a sir. Isn't he? I think he's got some, yeah, he's had some honours. I don't think he's a sir though. Nah. Um, I, I think that's an outstanding pick, obviously. I kind of saw the back end of his his career. So, to me, it, it, it was sort of an aging player. I didn't know too much about him. Obviously, like you've seen, seen videos and stuff. My dad, obviously, been going to United since the 70s. To this day, he, like you said about your uncle, my dad still says Brian Robson is the best player that he's ever seen play for Manchester United. I mean, you say you, you didn't talk much about what, what he did. He could do everything. He, he was the quintessential midfielder you talk you know this is the thing about football today there has to be defined roles in midfield you got dms you, you've got number eights you've got tens brian robson did all of it and he did it all of it superbly scored goals tackles run up and down the pitch he did everything and uh, like saying my dad can't talk highly enough of him um you know there's that famous game against barcelona where he kept maradona quiet um in, in europe that night and United went on and, and, and beat that team. So, yeah, he had everything. And, and I think, you know, they talk, did he miss, did he miss 86 or he missed, he missed the World Cup or maybe 90 he missed. And they said, if it had been in that team, England probably would have got on one, won the World Cup that year. So that tells you everything that he was as, as a player, as a man as well. I know obviously he's famous for being part of that big drinking culture that was at Old Trafford. And, you know, he managed to survive that where other players got kicked out by Fergie when he was trying to change that culture. Again, that's probably down to what he meant to the team in, in a footballing sense. But, you know, like I say, I didn't really see a lot of him play, but I am happy that he stuck around long enough to actually be part of that team that got that first league title after 26 years. But, yeah, Brian Robson as a pick is is unbelievable. And and he, he is one of Manchester United's best ever players, for sure. Yeah, I think he was injured in that um, Italian 90, or he was on the bench at the time as well. So he was like a rotating player. And that's why David Platt kind of, came into the England squad in Italia 90 as well. Otherwise, yeah. bit Pete Brian Robson would have done the business for England with Paul Gascoigne next to him as well, so. which would have been crazy. Mark, any thoughts, any opinions on Brian Robson that you'd like to share? I didn't get to watch him play, unfortunately. But um, what I will say is that whenever United seem to go through like bad times whatnot, the name that pops up the most is we need characters that are like Brian Robson. And that's always the case. And whenever people talk about him, they talk about sort of like his character, his leadership, and how good of how good he was as a player. So, it was, I mean, when when people are always referencing you in that light, yeah, and it just means that how good of a how good of a player he was because this man has had been through a lot of turbulent times, and the fact that he's always been referenced as sort of like the standard, or I think. If it's not him, then it's Roy Keane. But like those two names are always sort of like the the the, the bar that's been sort of like set as like the standard to reach in terms of like professionalism, ability, character, leadership. Um. So yeah, man. People talk highly of him, and I'm sure they have good reason to. I've got one for both of you. Does Brian Robson make your Mount Rushmore Mount Rushmore of Man United captains so your top four elite captains? Does he make uh, that? I have to, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm gonna be on an asterisk because I can't say I've I've watched him play. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. 
people talk like people do talk about him very highly. So I'll be an idiot to say no because I mean, <laughs> how can everyone t- speak highly of him? And I'm just like, nah. Mm. So put asterisks by by my answer and just say yeah. Definitely better than Ashley Young in 2019. So his one up well, on Ashley Young. There is that. There is that. <laughs> there, there is that as well, <laughs> which is the case. Um, but yeah, that's been our world uh, wild card round, which has been fantastic as well. So I was really, really looking forward to seeing who we've got now in terms of we can rather go back to front or front to back. I think we'll go back to front because then we can see if we're going to put any goalkeepers in, any defenders in, whatever we want to do. It's perfectly fine. So. Uh, double A, why don't you start us off this round? Why don't you go for who you're going for um, from your back to front? Who have we got? Yeah. Um, see, goalkeeper. I was going to go. He's not really like caught here. Well, caught here, but he's not talked about as United's best ever goalkeeper when I think he was. I was going to go for Van der Sar because I, I love him and I think he's spoke of highly a lot. Uh, by the team that he played with in the dressing room, Um Obviously, Peter Schmeichel gets gets talked about as being the, the, the better goalkeeper. And I think even maybe they, David De Gea gets a little bit um, more credit than, than Van der Sar. But I'm actually going to go for him. Who I'm going to go for? And to keep, I don't know why I love him so much, but he was probably the best understudy we've ever had. Better than Romero. I'm going to go for uh, Raymond van der Howe. I just think... Ooh, that's a name love, from the past. Yeah. <laughs> I just loved him. I don't know why. I just think it's, it's one... I love that he won number 17 as well. And it's summer. I get a lot of stick for because in FIFA or FM or anything like that, I always put my sub-keeper number 17 for some reason. Uh, just just mainly all because of Raymond van der Howe. So, yeah, obviously being understudy to Peter Schmeichel, um, you're not going to get many games, obviously. Uh, and I think he lasted after that as well with uh, Bosnich as well. But I don't think he was a great squad player to have. Is that, you know, he probably helped keep Schmeichel um, sharp and stuff like that. Obviously, I mean, I don't ever remember him letting us down when he did play in, in certain games. But, yeah, I just think uh, an unsung hero for me, uh, a bit of a cult one. Uh, number 17, my goalkeeper, Raymond van der Howe. Raymond van der Howe, again, someone who, again, he had a decent career at Man United. He's someone that you sign someone to be a backup keeper to one of the best keepers in Europe, one of the best keepers in the world. He doesn't let you down. And you're just kind of thinking that he did make a couple of appearances in the Champions League, which I thought were pretty good yeah. as well if I remember correctly we lost against Dortmund in 97 but he was a sub for Peter Schmeichel or Peter Schmeichel got um, pulled out before kickoff and Ga- Van der Howe basically just kept it level at 1-0 I think we still got knocked out by the yeah. better team but he was kind of there as well and it kind of goes to show again here's another player that I haven't watched I'm not going to pretend like I knew much about him I only got to see him like on these like squad pictures or squad videos when they were celebrating <laughs> the trophies as a backup keeper so yeah, yeah. no Raiden Van der Howe that's still going to be a good player for you to go for. Mark, any thoughts on our backup keeper for Raymond van der Howe? Or kind of like with me, haven't really seen much of him? I didn't really see much of him, but to be fair. I didn't really see much of him, but he was around for quite a bit. And if you're around for quite a bit, then you're, you must you must be doing something right. I mean, we've seen keepers coming, we've seen Bosnich, we've seen Taibi, we've seen um... Bartes. So say that again, please. Bartes. Bartes, exactly. Roy Carroll. Roy Carroll. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Loads of keepers come and go. And if if and the fact that Van der Van Howe was still around meant he was doing something well. So I mean, yeah, he seemed like a top professional. Again, I didn't really see much of him, but um I can imagine that when you're around for for some time, you're doing something correct. Especially I, th- I think at the time 
what was it like 
he mentions him all the time in terms of like, uh, oh yeah, but this team had John O'Shea or John O'Shea's won like five Premier League medals, but he was still crap. I'm like, why are you bringing him up as an example? He was a quality squad player that we had for a number he, of years. He, 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 he kept a clean sheet. Yeah. Yeah. Against Spurs, his own yeah, team. Like, Real, Real, Real couldn't do that when yeah. he went in goal. This is what I'm saying. See, John O'Shea, like, he... I know, like, the term, like, water carry or whatever, it's, like, deemed as, like, a bad thing there, but imagine having a player that you knew would always give you 7 out of 10, no matter what position you... Like, they played him over right back, centre back, left back, centre mid. Like, he would just... Whenever a job was needed, he would do it, and he would do it to the most of that, to the to the most of his ability. I mean, and I know like we're in a we're in a like um a time where people talk about technical ability and blah blah blah. But he was I don't know what happened, but one day he just started playing and then he became ambidextrous. Like we all just thought he was right footed. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he he had a left foot. And it was yeah. like, wow, like where on earth did this come from? Like for me, he, he he's never gonna be regarded as like a top player, but he's always someone that you need could do a job and will do it well. I mean, I remember watching him bomb, bomb up and down like the wing, like the left wing, and he like he was just so good, man. Like for me, he he definitely deserves his flowers, man. I think he won like five Premier League titles, or whatever. But it wasn't like it wasn't as if like he was like coattailing on like the squad. He like always contributed. So for me, I definitely feel like um, he deserves his, his credit. Double A, was it true or not that United fans actually started chanting Islands number one whenever John O'Shea would play? <laughs> I don't remember that one, but I, <laughs> I just know um, I just know United fans absolutely loved him. I don't care like what other people have to say. Um, you can't he, say, there's, there's not a bad thing you can say about John O'Shea. There's literally not a bad thing you can no, say. If you remember just, as well, he was a big game player. Like, not in terms of scoring, but he would play... Like, I remember when Ferdinand got suspended because of the drugs uh, thing. Yeah. And then he became our centre-back. And then he was our centre-back for the whole um, 2004 <laughs> FA Cup run as well. And we won against Millwall in the final. And he started, if I remember correctly as well. So it goes oh, to yeah, show that he was there in the big games. He was close. He was, he was, he was great. What, what the, his problem was, and you find it today... Is people have a problem with squad players. Yes, he, he's not Rio Ferdinand. Yes, he's not a Vidic, but he still is an integral part of the squad. And like like Mark said, he comes in and he does his job. He does it well. You know, how many players can say they've not megged Luis Figo? Do you know what I mean? And you know, I was going to tell that story about that goal at Anfield when we won. Uh, I was watching it with a few with a few friends in the pub. Turned around to one of them uh, just before I said, "Oh, Shale score now," and he did. Turn around, poke my friend right in the eye, nearly blinded him. But <laughs> and we were was... crap that game. We were so oh, crap it was that terrible. Game. We, we was got terrible. away with murder. I think that, we had like one shot on target, and that was the goal. Yeah, and, but you take it though. Yeah, that's what wins your leagues. And you know the goal against Arsenal, Highbury. You know, I think everyone, including himself, was shocked that he was that far, that far up the pitch. <clears throat> Obviously, managed to get that that nice little chip. I, I think he's a great player. I I can't. Can't hear anything bad about John O'Shea. You know, you put him on a similar plat- uh, level to sort of Wes Brown as well, another player. Yeah, yeah. Well, with Wes Brown, he probably should have gone on to be a, a real Ferdinand just because of the natural ability that he had. And yeah, yeah, the last yeah, thing yeah. I say, the last thing I say on John O'Shea is, if, if it's true, I don't, I don't know if it's ever come out as such. But he did all this for Manchester United, winning these Premier Leagues and and all this. And apparently, he was a Liverpool fan, so it makes makes it all the sweeter. So. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like John O'Shea. I think that's a he, great pick. He neither confirmed nor denied on the Man United podcast when he got asked this as well. So he's like, that means oh, it's it true. Then. That yeah. means it's yeah, true. Yeah. 
it's, it's, yeah. it's going on about oh it doesn't matter now we're adults so I was like, okay cool yeah that means <laughs> 100% true then yeah brilliant so we're going for one goalkeeper from double a we're going for a defender which route should i go i don't want to waste my chance of going for a goalkeeper i am thinking of someone who no i'm not going to go through this this whole thing of going through players that i haven't really seen who have we got on the phone is that john o'shea can that's john o'shea i am yeah. a Liverpool fan mate leave me alone <laughs> i wish it was john o'shea <laughs> everyone will know that's him as well with that accent flawless irish accent right there as well oh man who am i gonna go for because i think you know what if i have to go for someone he may not be everyone's cup of tea Actually, no, I'm not going to go for him. I'm going to go, I'm going to play it safe for this one. Dennis Irwin. Dennis, Ir- Dennis Irwin, Mr. Reliable. <laughs> yeah, double A definitely had him on his list as well. But if we're going for someone like Mark said for what seven out of 10 every game, Dennis Irwin was eight, 8.5, nine out of 10 every game. Mr. Reliable, someone who doesn't get the hype and someone who doesn't get the, uh, the praise he deserves in this modern age of how a fullback should be. Because you're now seeing people like going on about, Wow, Joao Cancelo, right back, now at left back, playing as an inverted fullback. Dennis Irwin invented it, son, in the Premier League. Dennis Irwin invented yep. it. This is what I'm talking about, man. Yep. Dennis Irwin is someone who I wish I got to see more of. When I was growing up, I saw only bits of him before he moved on to different teams. I think he went to Wolves after Manchester United as well. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's kind of good to see how he did. And he was our Mr. Reliable, Mr. Consistent in that treble winning season in 1999 as well. Remember being one of the better Irish teams as well. Him getting to the '94 World Cup, 2002 World Cup as well goes to show that Ireland did rely on some of their big players and who they really had to kind of go about. But Dennis Owen was probably one of the most shrewd signings Sir Ferguson ever made at Manchester United. One of the better signings he's ever made, and someone who, again, we do see a lot more in terms of him being like an ambassador for the club, seeing him on MTV every now and then, which is really nice to see. It's really well deserved and well rewarded as well. But Dennis Owen is someone who could literally just dictate the game as a fullback as well. He didn't need to because he did have uh, Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Gary Neville, um, Ronnie Johnson, Yapsan all around him as well, which was fantastic to see. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how more players are going to be saying, oh yeah, Jao Cancelo is the benchmark for an inverted fullback. But no, Dennis Irwin. <laughs> if you need to learn about the fullback, learn about Dennis Irwin, man. Look at how he was ambidextrous, as Mark said earlier. He could play with double... Uh, both of his feet properly. He could rely on them. He would take penalties for us. He would take free kicks for us as well. Um, if I remember correctly as well, he's won a, one Champions League, two FA Cups, and he's won... Was it three Premier Leagues? Did he win? I can't remember off the top of my head. But he won maybe more... No, more than three. <clears throat> they leave, they leave, they're leaving that 2000, on Seven. He won no, seven. Won. Yeah, he came seven. in 1990, yeah. yeah. So, in terms yeah. of all-time greatest fullbacks in the Premier League, no one mentions Dennis Irwin at left-back because everyone goes for Patrice Evra or Ashley Cole, more so because of recency bias. But you cannot forget about Dennis Irwin. Man United fans definitely don't forget about him. I certainly don't forget about Dennis Irwin. And I'm pretty sure Double A and Mark haven't forgotten about Dennis Irwin. Mark definitely gone for Don- John O'Shea for the, uh, the cult hero status. But Double A, I think I may have triggered you there and stolen one of your picks. Explain why Dennis Irwin was such a big player for you, Double A. Um- I'm absolutely fuming. I thought no, no one's gonna pick Dennis Irwin, and you went and picked him. He was unbelievable. He is the best left back that's ever played in Premier League. I'm not hearing this Ashley Cole stuff. Yes, he was very, very good. He wasn't better than Dennis Irwin. Evra, I loved him at United. He was. He's not even the best United left back that there's been, in, especially in the Premier League era. Uh, people even talk about Andy Robertson, or like up there in a conversation. Nah, not for me. Dennis Irwin. 
And the best thing about Dennis Irwin and why he was right-footed, and people don't even realise that, he wasn't even a natural left-footer. Um, and he was just, like you said, like, you know, Matt was saying about John O'Shea, them, them players that will give you... He, yeah, eight and nines, he, he was just unbelievable. And one moment stands out for me about how confident people, the players around him were in his ability. And it's probably one of my favourite games of all time. And this, I was talking about them videos. I had a video of the 94 season, I think it was. It was a three-all draw, draw against Liverpool. Um, and we were 3 nil up. And they obviously pegged us back. But in the lead-up to that, one of the goals, um, Dennis Irwin had a free kick. And they were that confident in his, in his ability. It was just outside the box. There was not one Manchester United player in the box. They, they just knew he was going to score. And he did. Um, and I, I, it was just... It was, there's another goal he scored. And it's actually one of my favourite Cantona moments other than the one I mentioned. Where Cantona stabs the, the ball with his outside of his foot. And it just goes over the defence. And, and Dennis Irwin there latches onto it. And it's just a great goal. And... That, was, did, the, that was, was the finesse that. chip outside the outside the boot, wasn't it? Oh, it's, yeah. It's just a little stab chip and it's just it's just beautiful. Yeah, uh, but Dennis Irwin is just everything you needed in a fullback. Great defensively, attacking, can cross the ball, can score. Um, he just had everything. And I think, yeah, he, he unfortunately for me, is, is a great pick. <laughs> uh, there's going to be at least one or two more of these that we're going to steal from one another as well. That's why I'm rotating the order as well. And that's why I'm kind of glad I didn't go for a goalkeeper as well. There, there could be a few... Bits of mental warfare in, in terms of suggesting. I just had a look. He's only missed one penalty for Man United. He only, missed, he only missed one penalty for Man United. Yeah, that's insane. That's mad, isn't it? Does that mm. make him the best, best penalty taker for Man United in history, out over more than a certain amount? Because normally, if you take more than ten, that's how you get rated as well. So, um, he he would. He, I think. I'm trying to think of United penalty takers. I know Rude. Andy Cole didn't. Really no, did take Rude him. miss? I know. I know. I know he won it. Well, I've won he missed obviously against Arsenal, but mm. I think he was he was quite deadly with him, wasn't he? I think. Rude Rooney, RVP. Rooney missed a couple. Rooney missed a couple. Rooney missed a couple. Yeah. Dennis Owen's got to be up there as one of our best Dennis penalty Owen's takers. Probably up there. Ah, he's got to be. Yeah. Got to be. If yeah. it went to, if it went to extra time and penalties or golden goal and penalties in ninety nine, Dennis Owen would have been number one to step up. Yeah, hundred percent. I think so. I think so. 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. Right now, on to round three. After stealing from Double A, I'm going to give the honor of choosing for this pick for another defender midfielder, whoever it is, to Double A. So I will be kind and gracious in this way. Who can you now pick? Seeing as we've taken your favorite Irishman, John O'Shea and <laughs> Dennis Owen, Double A. Yeah. So yeah, sticking to. So I'll call here, and I think I I need someone who can play in defence and and even um, a, a DM, and he did both of these centre back, left back, and DM. And I think his career was cut short for that. He never pinned down a a specific role. Probably should have stayed at DM for me because I think he had all them attributes. Um, I'm gonna go for Daily Blint. I just think he came in in, in a transitional period for Manchester United. Great I signing. Think- had, he had a great had a great World Cup. Mm. Go on, Hans, what are you going to say? No, I just want to say he's one of our best signings post Alex Ferguson. For the money we spent on him, for the way that he played, for the utility play that he was, I genuinely appreciate Daly Blin as the Man United player. Continue. Yeah, 100%. I just think he... Again, another one of them players who never let us down. Obviously, like I said, that, that team wasn't great. It was, you know, thrown together. Wasn't really any direction. Um, Van Hal 
he set a lot of things up in in a way the sort of the youth players that we're getting in now I think he set all that back up again in terms of our scouting young players but um he he was a shining light for me I think he never like I say he never let us down he was shunted here there and everywhere him and him and Chris Marley and I thought were developing a good partnership at centre back for a little bit um covered Luke Shaw at, at left back as well as playing in DM like I said and I think he was a great player and I'd have kept him. I definitely wouldn't have got rid of him. Uh, was it Mourinho that got rid, wasn't it, when Mourinho came yeah. in? Yeah, um, second season, Mourinho. Yeah, and I think that... Again, just no, third Mourinho. season, sorry. Third, third season, sorry. Third season. Yeah, and I think it was a mistake on Mourinho's part. Um, I like him. I think, you know, I know he's had them health scares. He's gone back to Ajax and... Uh, is he captain? No, no, it's Tadic the captain, isn't it? Um, but, yeah. it, you know, he's, he's an important member of the squad for, for Ajax, obviously under Ten Hag as well. So, yeah, I think... He'll cover a lot of bases for me. He's Mr. Dependable. And I'm just going to allow him to sit there while the other players go up and attack. And for me, I'm going to pick Daily Blint, yeah. Go on, Mark. Do you have anything good to say about Daily Blint? Because I have so much to say about Daily Blint, but I'll give you the option of speaking before me. Um, uh, do you know what? It's crazy because Daily Blint is... When you, when you look at him, he shouldn't be a footballer. I mean, he's, he's not... Fast, he's, he's not strong, he's not sort of like he's got football intelligence, that's what he has. But that's exactly right, what I was just about to get onto. He's like, <laughs> like, for every physical attribute you think of what a footballer should have and he doesn't have, he negates it by using his brain. And I feel mm. like not many people, not, there's not many players that do that. And I think the transition from coming from Holland to Premier League, he, he probably he's probably one of those players where you thought he's going to get brutally exposed, but. He, he was so, so good. I think he probably had a few poor games. You could count on, like, one hand how many poor games he had. And it was more... Whenever he did have poor games, it was more down to the fact that, like, um, the manager or the coach at the time would would be an absolute lunatic and play with, like, five attacking players ahead of him and like, leave him to defend by himself. Do you remember that diamond we had? It was, like, Daily Blind and, like, Herrera, Rooney... Uh, Falcao, Di Maria and RVP or Mata and RVP and then Daily Blind's meant to hold all of that together oh, mate I, I don't even think Thanos could hold it all together like it's crazy like I mean he, he was just so good in what he did and I think like I think for me the way he dealt with Lukaku when we beat Everton like 2-1 or whatever Old Trafford mm. he made it look so easy I mean he bullied him to an extent and when you look at sort of like the physical their physical appearances. It's like a mismatch, but Daily been made that look so effortless. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people talk about how Martinez is five foot nine and he's no good in the air. Daily Blin was probably like the first, the, probably the, the defender before Martinez that people talked about not being good in the air or not being physically good. So, and he was only like five, ten, five, eleven as well, not much taller. Yeah. yeah. Not much taller, no. And he scored a great goal against Liverpool. Can't forget that. First goal yeah. of the season for him as well. Yeah, Pretty yeah. one win. Oh, Everyone yeah. remembers the Marshall one, but Daily Blin. What a set piece that was as well. Why don't yeah, we do more of those yeah. set pieces with the team that we have? Show um, more creativity for me, there. For me, he was def- he's definitely a player that's underrated. Oh, I love Daily Blin. He's a fantastic player to watch. And you mentioned Lukaku at Old Trafford, but remember Lukaku at Wembley, semi finals, FA Cup. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the same yeah. season as well. It was just, uh, it was really big for an FA Cup run as well. And we had that rotation of Chris Mullin, Marcus Rojo. Um, Daily Blind as well Paddy McNair coming into the side as well the mm. season before and almost staying in there which would have been the case 
And we had that that bit of injury as well. So when we had loads of injuries coming in, Daily Blind, I think, was one of the guys that was still injured. And when he came back into the squad in that run for the FA Cup, it was so crucial to have an established player um, in that side. Obviously, with Luke Shaw out, where do you fit him in? And we may, it could be another topic entirely, but utility could be seen as a weakness for a lot of people. But I see it as a positive because it goes to show that you can end up seeing so many people in so many different positions and they can still play the same kind of way because they're used to that. And just like Mark alluded to earlier, having the football intelligence to actually do it consistently shows that when you have a football intelligence about different positions and how to play, where to play, where your starting position would be, Daily Bin had all of that on lock. Mm-hmm. And that's due to his education at Ajax, due to working with Louis van Gaal for the Netherlands as well. And that's why a lot of these players get picked quite a lot because of their footballing brain and their footballing intelligence as well. And I do have to shout him out for being our centre-back when I believe Marcos Rojo got suspended or Eric Bailly got suspended for the game before he started in that um, Europa League final against Ajax and we won mm-hmm. 2-0. Clean sheet for Daily Blind right there as well. So fantastic yeah. shout uh, picking Daily Blind as your boy at the back. Go on, I'll give it to Mark. Mark, who have we got now in your team? I'm going to go with Wesley Brown. Wesley Brown. Yeah. See, Wesley Brown, he, he's... Not many people know that he was in the squad that won in 99. So he's got two Champions League titles. So. He was in the picture as well. Yeah, so he's got two Champions League titles. But for me, I think Wes Brown was someone who... He, he was a weird one because he was, such, he was like a player with such promise. And whenever he did play, it was just like he was clumsy or he would make a mistake and everyone would just be like, he's no good or he's just one of those that's been talked up. And I remember... I feel one... like that happened a lot in like those TV games. When they're scheduled on TV, it's like a four o'clock Sky Sports when everyone would see Wes Brown and they'd be like, oh yeah, it's crap. Oh yeah, he can't handle the, the winger. <laughs> and then you're just kind of there like, no, 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 watch him properly. And people are like, I can't be bothered because they wouldn't watch him like a Man United fan would as well. And, we all knew yeah. how good Wes Brown yeah, was. And it didn't help that he was always injured, but I remember like Sir Alex Ferguson, he he had like it was like one quote, and I always used to like, I always used to hang on every word of this quote. He would say Wes Brown was the best natural centre back, best natural defender England had. And I remember he said that, and I'd be thinking like <laughs> what? And what? I remember, it, it always just stuck <laughs> with me. It always just stuck with me because I always used to think he, he's gone loony. Oh, yeah. He's gone loony. It's like what you said about Phil Jones being the next Duncan Edwards if he carries on. I swear to you, that, that, that quote never, ever left me. And then it might have been like oh, 2006 season or something like that. I think Gary Neville was like on his way out. Mm. And he just came, he just appeared from nowhere. And the transformation he had gone from centre-back to right-back was immense. I mean, he was up and down that right flank. He was providing assists, he was tough tackling, he was just, and it just seemed like in that season, it just all came together and it all, like, this was like the moment that Sir Alex Ferguson had been waiting for, like, I I reckon Sir Alex Ferguson during that season had a a gloss red wine and said, I told you so, I I told you so five five years ago, I told you he was the best natural defender England had, and for me, he was so good in that season, he provided the assist for Ronaldo's header against Chelsea, and he was just like, do you know, like, you know, like when players do stuff here yeah, and you think to yourself, how? Like, he has so many of those moments where, like, I saw him doing step overs and I'm just like, Wes Brown, <laughs> be Wes Brown doing that. Like, he just has so many of these moments where, like, you just go past players with ease and just like, I didn't know you had this in your locker. So for me, I think he was very underrated. He was a big part of that 2007 2008 season. 
and there's not many wingers you could say that got the best, a better part of him during that season, man. So I definitely think he deserves his flowers for that season. Well said, hundred percent. And for me, Wes Brown was someone who epitomised Manchester United coming through the academy, coming through the reserves, getting to experience these highs and these lows straight away as well. And again, one of the players that stepped up when Rio Ferdinand uh, got. Uh, banned for his drugs uh, mm. thing as well and he was someone who was a utility player as well playing as a centre mid no centre back right back he was in that game famously wearing this kit where Man United beat Arsenal 2-0 where he played seven defenders I think in that game as well because we had right. a few injuries as well Yeah, Raphael Fabio yeah, was wingers and it was like O'Shea Wes Brown at the back as well Chris Smalling was there Patrice Evra and you're just kind of there thinking you could do it all and you could rattle opponents as well and not even just by being angry or agitated just by just by his sheer strength. He had that natural strength about him, which I love to see as well. And it was someone that a lot of players, even when he moved to Sunderland and he moved away to different teams, you were just kind of there like, oh yeah, he's definitely teaching so many different people just by the way he plays. You could learn how to be a, a stand-up guy, a stand-up defender by watching Wes Brown as well. And again, like you me, said... Yeah. So it's I think for me, the best part of that assist was that it was on his weaker foot. And mm. I'm pretty sure, yeah, throughout that season, he was not using his left foot at all. <laughs> <laughs> he was not using his left foot like at all and then that that one moment where he just played that one two scoresy and then knocks on shifts onto his left and pings it in it's like where's brown <laughs> that's where's the guy where's like, brown is that guy yeah like this is what i'm saying he just has these moments where he just does things and you, you scratch your head and it's like where's that come from <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite memories for res brown was when he scored against uh liverpool at old trafford in a three nil victory and hit like the back of his head and he just out-jumped Pepe Reina and just went in for 1-0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Ronaldo scored and Nani scored in that same game, but that kind of set up the light. And I remember watching it with my brother and my cousins and just getting gassed. We're so happy about it. We're just really, really happy to see like literally one of our own. You see people do now do that now in their clubs, but it used to be so common for Man United to have so many academy products go through to the first team, first team for England as well. And Wes Brown was that. He was definitely a Man United player through and, and through. And not many people can say they've won the Champions League twice. Twice, mm -hmm. exactly. Not many people can do that. But you'll still see people online saying, oh, yeah, but he wasn't very good as a right-back. He could easily be considered as one of um, the Premier League's best top five, top ten right-backs, in my opinion, as well. Hopefully, it'll be something where people actually learn about Wes Brown and don't say, oh, yeah, Wes Brown wasn't that good. He was fantastic. Double A can back me up on this, can't you? Oh, 100%. Um... You know, from he's a long sight boy. I, I'm a long sight boy where I first lived when I was born. So, big affinity to him. Uh, proper Manchester lad. Again, I believe a Liverpool fan as well. Um, when he when he was growing up, when when he was growing up. So, uh, I, I loved him. Again, you know, I think it's one of them. I think United fans for me back academy products more than any other club. The proper ride for him, and you always want him to do well. Um, I remember him. I think it was in the treble season and he, he was playing right back against Bromby at Old Trafford and stuff like that and you know he, he really was a part of the, he wasn't just like he wasn't a Jonathan Green in or a David May in that squad do you know what I mean just just there collecting a medal after doing nothing he, he actually chipped in especially in the Champions League so no that you know that redemption arc that Mark's talking about obviously you know written off and and comes back in 08 and he, he's, he's assisting Ronaldo's goal it just means everything, not only for him, but for, for Manchester United fans and fans of youth players. And you like to see him do well. And, you know, Fergie may have been right. I think natural uh, natural ability, he was unbelievable. He was a great, great defender. There's another one that was unfortunately, you know, hampered by injuries. 
stopped his development quite a lot. But he had everything, and and he was he was a great player for for Manchester United during that period. And I'm glad he played for for my team. And uh, you know, long side boy, so I've got to uh, say I love him a little bit more than than the others. Got to represent in that way, which is really good. So, Devlin, who did you say? So mine was Daily Blind, wasn't it? Daily Blind got Wes Brown, and then for me, um, you know, what? I'll play fair this round. I'll play fair, and I'll go for another defensive type of player. And I'm going to go for someone a lot of people will have forgotten, but I definitely haven't forgotten. And for what he's kind of done for the club as well. I'm split between two, but I'm going to go for him as a defender because he was another utility player that could play in midfield as well. I'm going to go for Quinton Fortune. I'm going to go for Quinton Fortune. Um, That's a good shout. That's a good I really did like watching Quinton Fortune for Manchester United. Roy Keane famously said, if I, have, if I had to make an all-time five-a-side for Manchester United, um, from players that he played with, Quinton Fortune would be in it because of his tenacity, because of his aggression, because of his willingness to learn, because of the way that he worked, because of how he was as a man and how he was as a player as well. And Quinton Fortune was someone who I really liked watching as well. And at the time as well, it wasn't one of the... He was a trailblazer for me. He was one of those trailblazers that you don't really see many players coming from Africa, coming into not just the Premier League or into one of the top five leagues, but into Manchester United, title winning Manchester United. And making it into the first team, playing as a left back, playing as a centre mid, playing as a left midfielder. And he could do it all. He could score goals. I remember him scoring a goal away to Porto as well. So that was a really crap way of going um, out of the Champions League with Jose Mourinho celebrating down the touchline. But Quinton Fortune scored away um, at the Dragao, if I remember correctly as well. He was also one of the wingers that was, he could have easily have gone to Tottenham. I think he moved, he moved from Atletico Madrid but he had a trial at Tottenham as well. So it was really good to see how he kind of did when he moved to Manchester United as well. But he was someone who was like a... He was kind of like... I like to say this a lot about some players. There may be a player that one of you will suggest later. I hope you don't pick him. But he was kind of like me on a football pitch. He'll just give it his all. He'll run around for the badge. He'll make sure he's smiling as well because that's what Quinton Fortune did do. He made sure that he enjoyed himself when he was playing. And I thought his left foot was kind of underrated as well. He may have got a couple of title medals in that time that he was at Manchester United. He was a squad rotation player as well. But I do remember him also doing quite well for South Africa, helping them grow the game as well. And in the way that we talked about Eric Cantona transcending football, Quinton Fortune in a way kind of transcended football for his country, South Africa, because it was only two or three years later um, after he joined Man United where South Africa won the bid to post the 2010 World Cup and Quinton Fortune was a huge part of that being a representative of the national team playing at one of the biggest clubs in the world being represented on the big stage and just in the Champions League in the World Club Championship and I think he scored in the World Club Championship against Melbourne in 2000 as well when we played um, that championship as well so that was a big thing um, going forward as well but Quinton Fortune is someone that I know for a fact I didn't want to just have him as a shout-out. I wanted to actually mention him and I thought, you know what, let's be brave and put him in my team as well. I haven't got a goalkeeper, so I can go for two defensive players and Quinton Fortune is my guy. Uh, Mark, what do you have to say about Quinton Fortune? Good choice, bad um, choice? I think I think he was, I think he's someone that gets overlooked a lot. I mean, left back, left, left wing could do a job. Um, he was, he wasn't sort of Part of the he wasn't someone that was just like part of the furniture, like he was always contributing. And I think one thing I liked about him was his versatility. And another thing is he's gone on to be part of the, the coaching stuff at United. I think he's he's done like uh the under eighteens and whatnot. So he's 
he's definitely someone of footballing intelligence. So um, definitely yeah. a, a good pick. Going on to manage Redden, I think, as well. I think he's going to the USA now to actually coach out there and um, develop his coaching even more, which would be really fantastic to see how he kind of does as well. And I think it's with the England, um, well, it was with the FA coaching youth coaches as well. Like He's one of the elite youth coaches, just on what you were saying there as well. So it goes to show that he's still not out of the game. He's still there to look at developing himself even more. So I'm looking forward to see what we could do with Quinton Fortune in the future. I mean, you've got Benny McCarthy as our attacking coach as well under mm. Ericsson Hug, who goes to show that anyone can kind of get into coaching just with the right mindset and the right mentality as well, which is good to see. Double A, any fond memories of Quinton Fortune from yourself? Or are you just happy yeah. that I picked someone that you weren't going to pick? No, I think, you know, just looking away from the, the football insider, you know, he's, he's very important to Manchester United's history being he's the first ever African player to play for the club. And I think that that means a lot. You know, you, you, know, you talk about that bid in for the World Cup in 2010, but it, it means more than that. You know, you, you see in any, 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 any form, you know, in, in movies or TV and football, when, when young kids can, can look at, a, you know, an African man and say, wow, he's, he's playing for Manchester United. I, I can play for Manchester United. Obviously we've had African players play after that, but he was the first. And, you know, that means a lot to, to, to many, many people. And he should be admired for that. I always feel, also, I always feel sorry for him. And I think is it, Sylvester as well, because I always thought it was must have been so hard to be signed for Manchester United after the treble season. Like it must have been the worst time to come into that squad, given what they'd done the season before. I know you want to try and emulate that, but it, following that treble season must have been horrible. And following when Dennis win. Owen left as well in two thousand. Well, yeah, there's that. There's obviously that as well. But I think I think he was. It was a great squad player and, and that might seem like a bit of some people might think that's a bit of a diss. It's not, you know, but he, he, he knew what he was good at and he did it he did it very, very well. And you know, at at that time, especially after what what we'd won and what we went on to win, Fergie wasn't signing people that couldn't he didn't think were were able to do the right things for that team and he definitely did that and it, it, it shows you not every player is an ambassador for the club and does does things for the club after they leave. He's seen as that, and yeah, I think I think it's a great pick. And Quentin Fortune is, in his own right, a legend of Manchester United, and, and rightly so. Definitely. Uh, shout out Quentin Fortune. If you're ever listening and you want to come onto a football podcast, got three great people you can talk to on three different podcasts as well. So hopefully you'll be listening, like I listened to your episode when I went for a long drive after Hull one day, which I did the first and last time I've ever been to Hull. And I was listening to his podcast. It just made me laugh so much on the Man United uh, podcast as well. Two picks each. This is going to be fun because there's so many attacking talents that I want to pick. But because I know I'm the last pick, I know for a fact you're going to be taking at least two or three of these um, players um, from me as well. So just to remind our listeners of who we actually have. In AA's team, we have a team of Raymond van der Gaal and we have Daley Blind and we have Eric Cantona as a wildcard. So you have two picks left. Mark has Wesley Brown, John O'Shea and Louis Sahar up front as well. So he can go for all midfielders if he needs to. Me being me, I've got uh, Quinton Fortune and Dennis Irwin, two left backs and Brian Robson. So I've got my midfield. I can now look at my attack and I think I will let Double A go first. So Double A, you can go first with who you need to pick for your team. Thank you. Um, so I've got Cantona. So I think he's going to he's gonna sit, he can play them assists, can score goals 
What I need, I think, obviously, I've got David Blint sitting back. I need legs now. I need someone who's just going to run and run and run and run and run. And I think you probably know who I'm talking about. He, he probably is. We're talking about cult heroes. This this guy is probably the biggest cult hero Manchester United have ever had. I think we still sing his song. Um, he had a great, great relationship with Patrice Evra. And someone, Fergie, said, found it so hard to leave out the 2008 Champions League final. Uh, I have to go for g Park. I Fuck! Mean... <laughs> oh, my I God. Have to do it. I'm sorry, listeners. I don't swear normally, but I, the way you were describing him, I was like, it's not going to be Tevez. I wish it's Tevez, but it's not going to be Tevez. Nah, nah. He he was I, the guy. He he was he was sick in this shirt in this 2010. Yeah. Oh, mate, well. he was unbelievable. Oh, he always score against Arsenal. He should have um, been my wild card, man. Yeah, he should have. I I can't believe I can't believe he's not been picked so far. Like I, I was I was no, sure we've been so conservative with our picks so far, and then we come <laughs> to our attackers. Look at all the talent we have available. Oh my yeah. days! Sorry, continue. I was sure. I was sure. I was sure he's gonna get picked. I'm so happy. Uh, there was also That's literally was why I wore this shirt to represent Jason Park for his amazing last minute <laughs> goal against Wolverhampton Wanderers at home when Rooney was out of the team. Insane. Yeah, there was, an, there was another tier, there was another player I was going to go for. Uh, I won't mention him just in case. Um, I may I may come back to him. I don't know, but yeah, Jason Park. I, I just, he was just he was just a great a great a great player. Uh, the exam stories of Rooney learning is he learning Korean swear words or something, or he's teaching him mm. swear words mm. and stuff like that on a training pit. And I just think that just sounds like it's going to sound weird, but like the, the best fun in training. Like you know, you get <laughs> yeah. different people from different continents. You can't speak each other's language and obviously you, you communicate a few swear words and stuff like that. Um, Probably I, I swear the English great. referees in Korean as well. Oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. Away I don't, know what, don't, don't know what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> um, I just think he was a great, great signing. And again, I think, you know, at the start of his career, he's probably seen as another one of those players. You talk about Wes Brown, that when people saw him on, on the team sheet, like, oh, for God's sake, geez, on part, what does he do with this, this and this? He, he was a linchpin in that team at, at times. And, you know, what what would give for two or three of him in this squad now as well? Do you know what I mean? Especially in that midfield. And I just think he's a, he's a great player. And, and if you're going to pick a cult hero, I think he's number one. And I'm glad that he's going to be representing uh, double AFC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so upset with that. I am fuming with that. So, I I'm, getting sorry, back. I'm getting you back for Dennis Irwin, so it's okay. No, it, I did say someone will get me back with one of the picks that I have as well, and it was one of the things I thought. Colt Hero, who are you talking about more than Colt Heroes and Jason Park in this modern age of football as well? Um, Mark, go ahead and talk about it because I could talk about it for hours, but go ahead. Oh, boy. I mean, what's that not to say? I mean, you're a big game player. Mm. Big, big game player, man. I mean, left foot, right foot. Could play left wing, could play right, right wing, could play centre mid. I mean, could play right back as well if you needed to. I mean, if there's, a, he's probably completed the bleep test. Mm. He's probably completed the bleep, the bleep test about ten times. <laughs> the bleep and test is part of song's warm up. Remember that. And he yeah. probably hasn't even he probably hasn't even broken a sweat doing it. I mean, he was just, I know, like, I know, it's sort of like compulsory when you say like players need to give their all, but with him, it was he like. On a, even on a bad day, he was giving you something. Uh, do you know what I mean? He was just—he wasn't flashy. He wasn't—he wasn't sort of like a maverick or anything. He was just—you knew what you were going to get with him. And 
when he when he played more often than not, you knew he was going to deliver something. Like especially in the big game, whether it be Arsenal, or Liverpool, in Europe. Um, funny enough, I think I remember like the first time I come across him, he scored against AC Milan for PSV, and I thought this guy's a problem. This guy's actually a problem. And I think the season after we went and signed him. So like, yeah, I think for for me and for a lot of United fans, he's just he's someone that United fans and me like think that holds. Like not close to our heart, but we think of like quite fondly. Do you know what I mean? Like he's always like a player that you just don't have anything bad to say. And I think the best thing is that he left on like good terms. Like it wasn't sort of like like sour or like severe ties or anything. It was like he left with like everyone's grace and everyone just wished him well. Hundred percent. Um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna go on a love letter for Jason Park now. Thanks, Double A, for stealing him from my team, but. Again, it's my it's my own doing. It's my own doing. I've, I have to try and get you back for one last time later on as well. Hopefully, if there's a striker that you've forgotten, um, I'll pick him instead. But basically, I did mention this at the beginning of the podcast. I did say there is a player that I want to talk fondly of in terms of how I would play as a footballer, and that is Jason Park. I would run around for days. I would still run around for days. I'm not a young man like I once was, but I'd still try and play in that same way of pressing people straight away, doing the dirty work, making sure that I'm still there pressing from the front. And all strikers nowadays do what Jason Park did years ago in terms of how to press from the front, how to stop players going forward. Uh, Mark mentioned about how um, he was really good at PSV. He was nominated as one of the best strikers in, best forwards in Europe alongside, I'll read out the names, Ronaldinho, Samuel Eto'o, Andrei Shevchenko and Adriano in 2005. That's how good Park Ji-sung was uh, at PSV. And we only signed him, remember, even in 2005 for £4 million, which was a steal. Absolute steal. Shout yeah. out Gus Hiddink for bringing right. him from uh, Korea to PSV after his job at um, South Korea as well. Because otherwise, we may not have known about Jason Park like we did that, um, we did as well. But I want to talk more about Jason Park when he came into the, the counter-attacking side of Manchester United in terms of the way that we would counter against Arsenal, how we would play against Chelsea, how we would score against these big teams. But mostly the counter-attacking performance we put in against Barcelona in 2008. So when you're playing away at the new Camp and drew nil-nil, he was one of our starters. And then how Double mentioned before about how he got left out of the final, he put in a stellar performance um, at Old Trafford against... Who was he playing against? Ronaldo's playing in the middle behind Tevez. It was against Zamborotta on the left, wasn't he? Because Nani was on the right. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think that's what he did. And he was there trying to man-mark Messi as Messi was going on, on the right-hand side as well. So he didn't get to man-mark him at the time, but he was always doubling back on on Nina you know, Messi, which is great to see. And you're just kind of there thinking, without Jason Park, we may not even even have got, we may not even have survived going forward into that semi-final second leg as well. And it goes to show how well he was as a squad player, how he could listen to the manager, how he could drop these amazing performances whilst not showing goals and assists. And in this day of everyone comparing attackers through goals and assists, Jason Park was someone who didn't need goals and assists because we as fans, we appreciated him for what he did. I really appreciate him for how he actually did it so well. And I'm really happy with how uh, Jason Park was the big game player for us. And I'll always appreciate that counter-attacking goal at the Emirates where, I mean, there was a few, but I'm yeah, going yeah. to talk about the one where, not the one he scored, but the one where Ronaldo scored in the Champions League semi-final to finish off yeah. Arsenal. And it was him, Rooney and Ronaldo. It's yeah, quintessential yeah. Manchester United counter-attacking against Arsenal. Crazy goal. Even now when people are like, oh, yeah, you didn't play well against us uh, um, two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago at Old Trafford. I'm like, that goal from Rashford almost reminded me 
tears in my eyes, nostalgia of that counter-attacking goal at the Emirates as well. Yeah. Rooney Ronaldo yeah. and Jason Park. And it was fantastic to see how well he did. And especially when Cristiano Ronaldo and Carlos Tevez left the season afterwards in 2010, everyone remember, you'll see this on the Lad Bible all the time. Remember this day where Jason Park, Man Mark per- um, Perlo. <laughs> I hate that. Because he had games yeah. that season. He had games. He was scoring yeah. against AC Milan. He was scoring against Chelsea. He was scoring against Arsenal. Scored the winner against Liverpool as well from across from Darren Fletcher, if I remember correctly as well. I think, um, I don't know if the South Korea got to the World Cup, so I'm not going to mention that, but he was doing really well. And he got the plaudits he did that season as well. <clears throat> and again, I'm wearing this kit because this is my favourite kit because he won the 19th uh, title that season as well. We overtook Liverpool. And Jason Park was a big factor in that early season form that we had with Antonio Valencia being out injured after that horrible injury he got against um, Rangers, if I remember correctly as well. So, now nah, shout out Jason Park. What a guy. He was the uh, Jurisel Patrick everywhere on the pitch. And again, that quarterfinal goal, I think he scored the winner, didn't he? When Drogba scored to equalise and then he just scored like a minute or two afterwards and it just made it so much easier. To yeah, yeah. Jason yeah. Park score as yeah. well. And he deserved his flowers as a Man United player and as a Premier League cult hero as well. So, nicely done there, double A. You've got Jason Park as one of your attacking players and well-deserved, I would say. He's a fantastic player and a fantastic player to reminisce about as well. Go on, Mark. I'm still being that that courteous get, um, host, so by all <laughs> means, you can pick someone that I'm going to start screaming and shouting about as well. And it better not be another attacking winger who I have such faith and praise for as well. So go for it. I'm going to go left, and I'm going to say this name. And it's a weird one because I feel like the narrative or the what the the light he's he's sort of pictured in doesn't quite do him justice because of what was happening at the time or whoever was around. But I'm going to say Nanny, and I Nani's think a good one. I, like I Nani. think yeah. Nanny was a top top player. The only issue is he was in the shadow of the greatest goal scorer of all time. <laughs> and when you're in that shadow, and the greatest countryman of all time as well, unfortunately. Whenever, you, whenever, if you're in that shadow, no matter what you do. How you, how well you play, it's always going to be seen as oh, he's but he's not quite this person or he's not, and I feel like because of that sort of stigma or that, that that high ceiling that we've put on him, it's kind of taken away for how good he was because he 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 came into the, he came in he came to us in oh seven oh seven oh eight with yeah Tevez. Anderson oh, and Anderson, and for the most part, he just looked like he was just—he just looked like a freestyler, just flicks and flicks and tricks, and the occasional—I don't know—Anthony three sixty spin or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> like just one of the, you know, what I mean, he—he he just looked like he was here just to entertain the kids. Yeah. And when Ronaldo left or whoever it was, when whenever like, it, it, whenever it was time for him to step up, he had three stellar seasons where he was the man like I know people will say that Wayne Rooney and whatever but there was like two or three seasons where he was a man and I just remember like the goal against I mean there's so many goals I mean, you could pick but like his catalogue was crazy I mean left foot right foot from outside the box you could just pick but um, there's one goal against Man City in the Community Shield I think it might have been the last goal where we played the the one, two, in and around the box. The yeah. second goal. Was it the second the, goal? The yeah. equalising one, yeah, yeah. And he just, like, he just initiated it. And it was it was so good. And it was like, 
if people just don't give him the credit that he deserves because he was in the shadow of Ronaldo or whatever, but for about two or three seasons, I think he scored like 11 goals and then nine goals and then 12 goals, whatever it was. He was so, so good. I mean, um, again, against Arsenal, the Emirates, where he, um, he, he loves Almino, whoever it was at the time. Um, that chop inside, yeah, fade yeah. outside, yeah, and then that one over, so, and that so was the many. first. That was the first game where they were playing football in three D. So I remember people who actually had three D and they were watching it. They're like, "Wow, this is insane!" I'm like, <laughs> "I never got to see that goal in three D. Don't think I ever will." But that mm-hmm. I remember that probably in the three D goal, and we won three one that game as well. Against Arsenal. There's just so many moments where you think like, "How on earth did ninety? I mean, you you think about like the the long range goals against like Spurs, no, not Middlesbrough, Spurs, uh, Middlesbrough yeah, Chelsea, Spurs. I mean, he's just he's just cracking it from anywhere on the pitch, left foot, right foot. Like, I mean, he also had that moment where he was freestyling against Arsenal in the FA Cup fifth round, or whatever. Sometimes. I mean, for me, I think he was such a good player, but I think it's just such a shame that he was he was attached to Ronaldo, where we couldn't actually appreciate him for the player he was, and I feel like. If he was in this current Man United squad now, he would be like spoken about as one of the top players in the Premier League, if not Europe. I think he was that good. But I think because of the whole Ronaldo thing, people sort of like not appreciated how good he was. Simple as this. If he was Italian, Spanish, from Burkina Faso, from wherever in the world, he would have got his flowers from everyone. But because he was Portuguese, he's not Ronaldo. It's not Ronaldo. It's not Ronaldo. And you're just kind of there thinking... Yeah, he's doing everything he can do to get himself out of Ronaldo's shadow. But everyone, all the neutrals would bring him out and bring him back into being a Ronaldo. I remember someone on the BBC radio was like, the Ronaldo wannabe is coming on now, Nani. I'm like, how do you know it's a Ronaldo wannabe? It makes no sense to me. And his production was really, really good. When you talk about like the assists and goals, like he was never, like, he was always someone that you could, you could bank on to get double figures, goals and assists. All I'm going to say before I pass it on to double A, because I don't need to see anything after this. That assist to Wayne Rooney for that overhead kick against Manchester City. And he scored in that game, the first mm, goal, yeah. which people always forget. And it was a very, very good goal. Goal yeah. and assist against this emerging Manchester City side as well. Fantastic game from that. Wayne, Rooney, Wayne Rooney was poor in that game, but he scored the most amazing goal he's ever scored. And everyone will remember it for the most amazing goal. But we as fans remember that he had a stinker of a game in that game and he's awful. Mm-hmm. But Nani was the one holding that attack together going forward as well, which is fantastic. Point, literally, point proven, like, people forget that like, you even scored in that game where, this is what I'm saying, like, I think, I think, as fans, we've, I want to say we've done him an injustice because, like, like he, he will be remembered for being a, a, a good player, but I feel like, as fans, we didn't help the fact that, like, we didn't help celebrate him enough because of the attachment to Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm. 100%. Double A, anything you want to add on Nandi? Anything positive you want to tell us about how, again, when you were growing up as a fan, what did you enjoy about watching Nani from the stands of Old Trafford? Just the joy that he got out of playing playing football. You imagine, you know, a lot of a like Brazilian street footballer, Ronaldinho, you know, anti, like, uh, Mark said he just I, I, I say it I, I think personally he had more natural ability than Ronaldo like mm. he ha- he could do stuff Ronaldo couldn't do um, it's just that consistency he didn't work as hard as Ronaldo but that, that's what's made Ronaldo the best player for a lot of people that's ever been just that 
you know, relentlessness at being the best. And I think if, you know, Nani had more of that, I think he could have been on another level in terms of his output. But he, he was just a joy to watch. And I think a lot a lot of fans, again, it's, it all turned, it comes down to your team. I think a lot of United fans appreciate um, what he did when he played to his, to his um, top level. It was just that that consistency and not being able to do it enough. And, you know, this, like I said, that, juggling the ball on, on, on his head against Arsenal is just a great moment because at that time we really hated Arsenal still you know before the proper emergence of uh, Man City and Liverpool coming back up it was still sort of United Arsenal that, that big rivalry uh, in, in the country so to to do that against them you know he, got, he goes down uh, as a legend for United fans and yeah I, I just wish he just had a bit more consistency to make, make him a, a better player really you know that goal, that goal against Chelsea, that when he just absolutely walloped it, it's, it's one of them goals in FIFA where you, you know, you just you're losing or something. You just whack the ball and it just, somehow it just goes in. So what he did, he used to just do that, and yeah, he he was a great player. And I think in a five-a-side team, he's, he's just going to take the mick in here for <laughs> with the ball at his feet. So it's a it's a great pick from Mark. Fantastic pick, and it's someone that I think Man United fans. I think the only downfall, like you said as well, didn't work as hard. He didn't adjust to the new managers that we had as well because he was one of the first ones out the door. We had yeah, David injuries Moyes. Killed him. Injuries, injuries killed him. him as well. So yeah. David Moyes yeah. had him and then he came back from injuries and there was a, there's a period where it was like Nani, Mata, Kagawa and Hernandez up front and that looked like a promising uh, way of building for the future but we still had RVP out injured and Rooney out injured so we knew yeah. they were going to be the main players but it was a different way of playing for Man United and then obviously Ryan Geese came in as a manager and carried on from there. Louis van Howe came in, got rid of him after he signed a five-year contract under David Moyes, which I thought was a big mistake, but obviously it just wasn't to be. Um, yeah, I'm now snookered because now do I go for two strikers or do I go for... I'm going to have to go for two strikers. I'm going to use Fortune and Robson as my midfield. Dennis Irwin at the back as my sweeper keeper. And I think I'm going to have to go... I'm going to go, have to go for one of the most underappreciated strikers in Premier League history. He is someone who doesn't get the hype, the recognition, the praise. You see him on all the charts for the top goals for. You see him on all the charts for um, Premier League goals. He's someone that, again, people forget about. And I don't think you should ever forget about Andy Cole. But what Andy Cole's done for Manchester United, what he's done for the Premier League, what he's done for English football, and how he never got the attention, the media attention, the positive light that he deserved as well. Dennis Irwin... Will, uh, will be my defender. Fortune and Brian Robson, they'll hold it down in midfield with the energy, with the passion, with the distribution. I was going to go for Antonio Valencia, but because you've gone for Nani, you've gone for Jason Park, they're the more kind of midfielders that I thought would have been good on the five-a-side pitch, but I need to go for a proper banger as a goal scorer. So Andy Cole is my bagsman up front. I've still got one more space, so I could go for another uh, a striker as well, but 121 goals for Manchester United, 275 appearances for us as well. He was literally the guy where I think we were looking at Stan Collymore at the time to get a striker, but we got Andy Cole instead, which was fantastic to see. His partnership with Dwight York after Eric Cantona left became one of the things of beauty in the Premier League, not just in uh, Manchester United, but in the Premier League as well. He was someone who lit up Europe when he was playing at goal against Ju uh, Juventus, full steam ahead Barcelona. Incredible. The dummy he had with Dwight York against Barcelona away was fantastic as well in that 99 season. And I think they scored 35 goals in the league between York and Cole in that treble winning season, which is fantastic. And I don't think anyone can ever forget the fact that he was our number one striker for that 1999 season. 
Andy Cole was the guy. Um, double A, go for it. I've got one word, and that's outstanding. Mm. If, you know, if you know, that was the name of his single um, that where he brought out in the late 90s. We need to play um, that as a theme song for this one as well. When the podcast <laughs> comes out, it needs the intro of Andy Cole. 100%. Um, I loved Andy Cole. Like When I say I loved him, I remember I was off school ill when we signed him. Mm. And Was it fake I'm, illness? No, no, no. I won't go into specifics. I'm genuinely, <laughs> genuinely off, off school ill. Uh, and I couldn't wait for my friend to get back from school so I could I could say, oh my, obviously it's before social media and stuff. It's on the news. Um, we've signed Andy Cole. At like, and at the time, other than Alan Shearer, he was the best He was the best striker in the league. He'd been tearing up at Newcastle. Um, and we pulled we pulled off a shrewd signing and I, I loved him border number 17 he's actually the first he's the first player I ever had on the back of a United shirt wow uh, as well that that white and blue away shirt we had was it 96 97 season I had Cole 17 on the back um, yeah I, I absolutely loved Andy Cole I loved he was just a great striker I think you, you mentioned his goal record that's all without penalties as well wasn't it? he didn't yeah, take penalties 191 I think do you know what I mean? With no penalties, and, and you know, that just goes to show. Imagine he did take penalties as well. He'd be well into the 200s. He was a great, great striker. The only thing I feel bad for him on is that he didn't get a proper run in the England team. I think he, he would have been a great striker for England. Um, and he, he, he was an amazing striker for United. I hate the fact he played for City, but that's just obviously because I hate Manchester City so much. <laughs> but uh, he was he was just a great player. That 99 season, him and him, Colin York, for me personally, the, the best the best strike duo the Premier League has ever seen. It was just telepathic at, at times, and and defenders couldn't live with them. Like they'd, they'd think they'd, they'd got him, and they'd just do a quick a quick step over to each other. And you know the Barcelona away game um, is is you know re- re- great evidence of that partnership. And I think even uh, Juventus as well. Um, the Spurs one the as well. The last game of the Premier League. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just. He was just a great, great striker. And I, I think he is very underrated in terms of where he stands in the pecking order of strikers. And he, he needs to go down as, as one of the best. 100%. I think it's 187 goals in the Premier League alone mm. without penalties, Mad. like Mark said Mad. as well. Mad. Unbelievable. And what he did in that era of football as well, which is absolutely incredible going forward. Uh, Mark, when you were growing up, did you... I, I don't want to be that guy in terms of like, did you have any role models and was it kind of Andy Cole going forward as well? Because... For me growing up as well, Andy Cole probably was one of the first players that I did know about being like a Man United fan because Andy Cole was there, David Beckham was there and obviously the rap from Andy Cole as well was quite catchy at the time to be listening to every now and then on your VHS uh, or on your yeah or on your radio station as well. But Andy Cole, Dwight York, that kind of era, I know it may or may not have been before your time, but what are your kind of first impressions of seeing Andy Cole in a Man United shirt for yourself? Um he was definitely like someone I looked up to because as as like a youngster, like, like as a youngster, like growing up and wanting to be a footballer, mm. like no no like respectfully, no one wants to be a goalkeeper, no one wants to be a right back, no everyone wants to be a striker. Mm. So when you're seeing like Andy Cole bag bag goals and you're seeing like the different types of goals, it's like whenever you saw like any type of goal, like it was just like all right, cool, I'm gonna try and replicate that in the playground. Like because Andy Cole did it, and for me, like anytime Andy Cole scored, it was just like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna try that. And 
he always just like played like he always just played with like a smile on his face like he was just he was just very very he was just he just seemed happy when he was playing man and I know like when I when I talk to old people they always say something like they always say some stuff like Aniko wasn't like the greatest finisher like he might fluff two or three chances but you knew he's still going to score because he just had that instinct and I think that is the definition of um, instinct, like goal scoring instinct. Because when when strikers miss two or three, they, they don't often get the fourth chance, or whatever. But more more time, more more often than not, he created a lot of his own chances with his movement and whatnot. So he's definitely someone that I looked up to, man. Because to score 187 goals, whatever it is, none penalties. You got to be a serious serious striker, bro. No penalties. No penalties, bro. Bloody hell. How long, is he, how long was he at United for? So he came in at... 90, 95. 95 to 2002. So it was like yeah. seven years. <laughs> no penalties in that time? None. <laughs> Listen, Andrew Cole, you're a serious bagsman. I'll tell you that, mate. Yeah, That's serious. ridiculous. And yeah, I think, like like um Aaron said, I think it's a shame that he had like, the tiff with Teddy Sheridan because had it not occurred, he could have been a serious... A serious goal threat for for England. Mm. I think it benefited Man United, and it just mm, ended yeah. England. But I was happy that it benefited Man United because they just both wanted to be in that starting eleven again with only yeah. like five subs on the bench at the time, which yeah, is crazy yeah. to see as well. Which was really really good. Yeah. Um, so that's our round four done. So last pick for everyone. Go on, double A. Break my heart again by picking someone who I've already got down um, in my five side. Well, I'm. I'm not happy you picked Andy Cole because I do love him, but I'm so happy you didn't pick this guy because this is who I thought you were you were coming for when he said yeah. so. Yeah, I've got to go for a striker. I've not got any strikers. There's a couple that you could name. Um, there's one I was going to pick if you'd have picked this player in your last round. So for me, I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about him. I think he's very, very underrated. I think he's got the best first touch I've ever seen a player ever have he still trains it on his instagram um you'll see it he's still in fantastic shape and he just he was the sort of new camp now in the way he played the game you know didn't seem like he cared but he was just a fantastic striker and i think playing alongside Cantna in this five-a-side team he's just gonna bag and you're not gonna get the ball off him it is of course dimitar berbatov i think i love him i just i just think he was a great Great, great footballer, and I was I was buzzing when we signed him. Uh, liked him at Leverkusen. I remember I was playing against him in the Champions League. He was good at Tottenham um, with him and Robbie Keane. Um, then he came to United, and you know, again coming after we just won the Champions League, so won won a lot with us though. And I think, yeah, it's you know, it's one of them you know, them players who are, who are genius, but they don't look like they care. Mm-hmm. I think that's what got. A lot of United fans backs up, you know, we seem like to drift in and out of games, but it, it will just show up. You know, the hat-trick against uh, Liverpool at Old Trafford. Um, is it the five goals against Blackburn yeah, at Old yeah. Trafford? Um, and that one where he started it and finishes it. Um, that you see on social media all the time as well. Yeah, starts it his own half and then finishes it. I think Nanny, did Nanny the one that assists him for that as well at the yeah, end? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he was just a bag. He was just great. And then you know, that skill against West Ham uh, by the byline. Mm. He had everything in his locker. He could score great goals, overhead kicks, headers. 
tappings. Um, great, great finisher of the ball. Like I say, I, I've never seen a first touch like it. The only one I, I say close to him that I've seen live is one matter. But um, yeah, I, to him, Park and um, Cantona, I think uh, you you two have struggled to uh, to beat that. <laughs> yeah, I can't add anything to that. I think you've got a really good attack there as well. Um, Mark, do you have anything to add on Dimitar Berbatov before I before I have a go? Yeah, he plays centre back for us as well. <laughs> That's it. That's what I'm gonna say. He plays centre back for us. You could do it all Dimitar Berbatov <laughs> yeah. and have, have a cigar in his hand as well, yeah. the way he played. But now I think Dimitar Berbatov was a, a player that it was annoying because we had the best out of him for I would say one season and it was kind of this season and we had the mm-hmm. best out of him for like half the season in that first season that we got him. In 2010 he was kind of our scapegoat annoyingly uh, because we were just over-reliant on Wayne Rooney as our striker, Michael Owen as our free agent um, striker who's always injured as well so Dimitar Berbatov whenever he would come into the team it would be like oh when's he going to score, when's he going to bag and he wasn't really playing in that kind of way that we were trying to develop in that free-flowing counter-attacking way that Dimitar Berbatov would slow the game down to his will, which he did in the season afterwards when Rooney was in and out of the side. Valencia was in and out of the side as well. And then it was like the fact that, okay, this is how Dimitar Berbatov can play football. He can get a hat-trick against Liverpool. He can score five against Blackburn Rovers. He can do it in the Champions League. He can do it even if you need to do it in the FA Cup, in the League Cup as well. Remember him um, scoring, I think it was 2011. That was when Welbeck was coming into the first team. Makeda was coming into the first team as well. And you just hear there like Berbatov making the bench. Oh, he's only just made the bench. Or I remember the last good thing I saw from Dimitar Berbatov was when he um, scored a hat trick against Wigan. That's that really had a painful memory for me because I was meant to go to that game. It was on Boxing Day of 2011. I was meant to go with my uncle, and then it was just the fact that no one told me that he had tickets because he was like, "Oh, do you want to go to?" Um, your uncle's house and I was like no I'm fine I may be working in a couple of days so I want to relax they're like okay cool and then my uncle's like why don't you come I've got t- I had tickets for the game for you it's like you mother and we won 5-0 against Wigan it's a really good game to kind of go to as well so I was kind of like, I missed the Dimitar Burbs of Hattrick and when does he ever score Hattrick he scored twice two years in his career so big big cult hero for Man United there was a love him and hate him effect at the time people will admit that and they did tend to hate Dimitar Burbs of I think that was more media scare more than anything but when you're actually watching him as a player appreciating him for what he is he was a fantastic player to watch and I think it was just the right player at the wrong time in my opinion I think if we didn't have him um, or if we had him two three years earlier that would have been really good but it's just the fact we tried to play a whole new way of football going forward and it was just one of those things that it didn't work because we tried to put Hernandez there we tried to put um, Welbeck there sometimes Rooney up front on his own uh, it's just a free-flowing attacking football where Berbatov would be that focal point that you kind of need him to be in some games, but not all the games, unfortunately. So it is what it is. Um, go on, Mark. Who have you got as your final choice for um, your cult heroes at Manchester I'm United? not going to go for me. For, I'm going to go for a striker. But I'm kind of, kind of torn between these two. But I'm just going to go. I'm going to go with um, the ex-Gaffer. That's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Mm. Um, I think for me, I think he's so so underrated. Man. I think when people talk about sort of like um, players playing their roles and contributing, I think he just down to a team. I know, I know people talk about sort of like um, 
like his goal against um, Bayern Munich in the final and stuff. But he has so much other, he had other good quality moments that people don't talk about. Like, I think he scored like five against Nottingham Forest or something like that. Um, Came on as a sub. In, was it an 8-1 win or a 9-0 win? Yeah, eight, yeah. Eight, eight, one, uh, one, yeah. And I remember like, sort of like watching a video of him finishing. And it was just ridiculous, like how good of a finisher he was. Like either foot, like left foot, right foot. And I remember, like, in 2000... It might have been 2006 or 2007, we played against Roma. Mm. And I think he played right wing or something like that. I can't remember. I think Ronaldo was on the left and he played right wing. And I think, like, this was, like, the season where, like, he he had, like, a serious knee injury. But I just remember watching that game and thinking to myself, like, he's obviously not the player he he once was, but he was always sort of, like doing what he had to do if that makes sense so he was always just following instruction and whatnot and for me I think like his goal record off the bench is just exemplary like he might have like he might okay I don't think he has the best goals to minutes ratio but he's definitely sort of like top five or whatever but like he's just he was always so clutch and I think away from the goals my best my uh, like one of the greatest moments that people don't talk about was when he took that red card on a counter attack. I can't remember against Newcastle or something. Yeah, yeah. Like that. And I think that is a sort of like ruthlessness that we that we we lack in our squad right about now. I mean, Dan James let Mo Salah run run the length of the pitch to score mm-hmm. when he should have just taken the, the red card and just jogged next to him. Sorry, say that again, please. Yeah. He just went. He just jogged next to him. It was a light breeze for him. Dan yeah. James, like the end of yeah. The day. Silly and, choice. Uh, I think like having sort of like that sort of um, the dark arts, as I call it, like he, he, even though he looked like he didn't have it, he had it. And I think stuff like that is just is what made me like, that that, was, that made me like draw closer to him. Because I feel like as well as a, a quality goal scorer, if he needed to roll up his sleeves and get dirty, he would. 100%. And I really enjoy watching Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when he came back from inj- his injuries because I remember yeah. at the time I was really upset as a kid. I was just like, who's the guy that injured Solskjaer? Who is it? Because I'm going to hate him forever. But he just <laughs> continuously got injured. So it's just one of those things you're just kind of there like, okay, cool. We just have to appreciate him when he came back. And one fit in touch for me, again, it doesn't get mentioned a lot. Remember when Man United got given the guard of honour um, against Chelsea after winning the league yeah. at Simon yeah. Bridge? He yeah. was in that lineup of, of all the players. Gabriel Heinze with the armband as well. Yeah. It was great to see him get a guard of honour in that respect as well, being a multiple Premier League winner as well, Champions League winner. So I thought it was refreshing to get that um, credential from him as well because I think he retired the season afterwards as well. It was one of his last ever games for Manchester United. And really glad that he got to kind of sign off in style. I know we lost to West Ham on our final game of the season at Old Trafford, but it was good to see that he got kind of a applauded in a way, which was good to see him. He got to move on amicably and become a decent enough coach and as a coach as well for Manchester United, which we saw some goods and some bads, but it is what it is. He was a very good player for us. Go on, double A. This is where you tell us that you were somehow in Barcelona for the final in 99. Nah, I wish I, I wish I was. But um, you know, speaking about speaking about that, you look at it. Um he did it he did it earlier that season. And I think that's where Bayern Munich obviously hadn't watched Manchester United enough. He did it in the FA Cup, I don't know what round it was. It could have been even earlier. Liverpool. Third round against Liverpool. Mm. He, scored, he scored a late goal to win the game. And that's what he was all about. He was that that striker that was there at the right times to score important goals and just to score goals. And that's what he was. You know, he's named 
the baby-faced assassin, and that's exactly what he was, and he was an, he was an assassin. Luckily, I, I can separate the manager from the player. Nothing he did as a coach will ever diminish what he did as a player for Manchester United, and I love him for that. I remember the season after he retired, I was gonna, I, I was buying the, so it would have been the 0708 shirt, um, and I wanted to get number 20 with Ollie in black writing, and then. Um, G-E-N-D like that's what he's going to say Ollie Legend yeah. JJB, JJB Sports will let me do it I was absolutely fuming bastards like, do it just do it free, it's free black letters and then the rest in white won't let me do it so um, but that's what he meant to me as a player he's just a great great player and you know he, he had them really bad injuries that he thought he was he was almost going to be have to retire and I think you know, he, he played a little bit during the 06-07 and it meant a lot that he could retire properly and not be forced to um, and then obviously went on to to coach the youth team and stuff like that. But you know, like you say, he come on, scored four against Nottingham Forest. And I think was it Dwight York? He stopped getting a hat trick. He replaced Dwight York, and Dwight York was on two. Mm. And he was, uh, he was he was on the sideline. I remember him being you know face face like thunder because Ollie had stopped him, and then took took home the match ball himself. Uh, and you know, again, I, I think if you believe the rumours, he's the third player that was a Liverpool fan growing up. It was even better that he did what he did for Manchester United. Um, no one expected much from him. I think it was was it the season? It was season was meant to buy. Oh, we was looking to buy Shearer. We didn't get him. Yes, and then so that's why Solskjaer we're... came in. That's obviously why the song. Obviously, yeah, yeah, the, the song, song as well. Yeah. Uh, the chant. Um, and it, you know, getting to play with Cantona, and he he loved everything about Manchester United. And I think, you know. He, he would go down as one of the best players that's ever played for us because he gave us one of the best moments that we've we've ever had as fans. So, yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough of him. And he, he was just a great, great player. No, really well said and really well deserved after everything Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has gone through as a manager. He deserves his flowers as a player and yeah, as a legend definitely. of the club as well. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to go for the most... I'm going to go for probably one of the, the most sauciest players we have left. That's not a legend but it's still a cult hero in my opinion. So it's not going to be one of the best players because that obviously would be cheating. We can't pick Ronaldo, Rooney, um, David Beckham, Ryan Giggs. Obviously, if people are listening to this now, you've kind of got the theme of what we were talking about if you only think how to at the beginning. So first of all, I'm going to give a few shout out. Shout out, Javier Hernandez, cult hero. Shout out, Diego Forland. That was, he was, that's who was battling the team. I was just like, he was my other one, him and Berbatoff. It was between was like, <laughs> That's why I wore this kit as well, Javier Hernandez. Like, the little I can't pee. think Javier Hernandez when like, he's like a prototype. Like when Ole Gunnar Social was like the first one, like social, yeah, yeah. social like, Walked so Hernandez could crawl or whatever the saying is like. Yeah. <laughs> Ole, Ole walked so Hernandez could run. That's yeah, that's it. That's wrong. The backwards header against Stoke is just everything. Like the the, the community the shield the ball, goal, the introduction the to us, the ball well. in his own face. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The yeah. guy could score every type of goal. He, he was. Insane. I've actually, I've actually got the shirt you're wearing, hands with Chicharito on the back. So, yeah, I love, I love him. Can't speak highly enough of him. So here's a good uh, honourable mention. Diego Forlan. Needs to find mm-hmm. after United, yeah, at United. Yeah, I think. Sorry, no. I think in Forland, I think it was the whole Liverpool moment, isn't it? I don't think yeah. he was great yeah. at United. Yeah. I think that's what defines a cult hero, though. Like he was a cult hero for a moment for us, if you think about it, and then that was it. He didn't really score much for us. Yeah. He didn't have a great goals per game ratio, but he did against Liverpool at Anfield, which is what well, as that, a Mighty yeah, fan yeah. we always want to great, remember. Great moment. Can I can I name one as well? Like this, Juan Veron, for me, 
Yes, what mm. a guy. Mm. Again, he was more be- he was better before us. He was so much better before us. Oh, but yeah. See him yeah. in a Man United shirt, that free kick against West that Ham. Was... Extraordinary. I've actually, for his 60th birthday, I bought my dad the old two, old three blue away shirt with the Champions League font with Varane on the back. He love that kit. Absolutely love Varane. So I had to go and get him that for his 60th. But yeah, it's. Uh, that was my first away kit for Man United. And I got David Beckham on the back for that. My brother got Ruud van Nistelrooy. And then I got really upset because he left the season afterwards. <laughs> and I learned my lesson very young. Don't ever get a player with a kit, uh, player name on the kit of your back. Always keep it blank because you can imagine who you have on the back as well. So I thought, you know what? It's worked well for me. Uh, one last shout out for me. Um, Antonio Valencia. We mentioned him in the podcast earlier. But I thought what a player he was. What a sound player he was especially off that leg break he had in 2010-11 season. Yeah. Um, the way he continued for us, the way he became club captain, the way he developed into a right-back under Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho. Um, I always remember that night against Olympiacos when we were 2-0 down away and he came at the home leg when he won 3-2. Um, I thought he had a crap game, but when I came home, everyone was saying how well he did with a black eye. And I'm up there in like tier three. I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea. The black eye was playing with one eye the whole game, which is incredible. Yeah. And it leads yeah. me to my actual pick. Robin Van Persie, cult hero. He wasn't going to be one that I thought, you know what, <laughs> everyone will agree with. But I kind of I kind of have to mention him. Because okay, you can let that slide. You can let that slide. That's because Yeah, that's on the edge, that one. That's it's borderline. Definitely... It's borderline. Yeah. There, there are better players out there. Dwight York, Teddy Sheringham, for example. Very good players. Rudy Anis, I consider a legend, so he's not a cult hero in my opinion. But I have to mention Robin Van Persie. I have to mention how he was the last kind of goal scorer, natural goal scorer we had that won us the league by his goals, by his assists, by his corners, by his free kicks, by his penalties. All-round action man up front that we had. And I'm thinking, with this team that I've got as well, Quinton Fortune, Dennis Irwin, Andy Cole, and Brian Robson, I need someone with a bit of flair, a bit of sauce up front as well. And I'm thinking, could I go for York and Cole or should I go for Van Persie and Cole? I'm leaning towards Van Persie and Cole slightly more because I've seen more of Van Persie than I have of Dwight York. But Dwight York and Cole, like you said as well, is one of the best ever partnerships in the Premier League or even in European football that we've seen. So to debate it a bit, I'll let the two of you decide who I should have as my partner. And I don't want you to go, yeah, go for Robin Van Persie because York and Cole is better and we don't want it to happen. Who, do you, who would you genuinely go for, uh, Mark, and double A? We'll go with double A first. Who would you rather go for? Andy Cole and Dwight York or Andy Cole and RVP in his Man United prompt? Yeah, that's fair. That's true. And listeners can play along as well. See, obviously you've got the greatest, I, I said it before, the greatest Premier League partnership of all time, um, mm. York and Cole. So that obviously makes perfect sense. Um, I, think, I think York is more of a cult hero than Van Persie will be. I think Van Persie will go down more of a legend because mm-hmm. um, of that season. You know, he, he practically won us the league. I know he probably only had really what that one good season. And after that, it, the, the injuries kind of came in. Um, Moise's season and the season after that. Um, whereas Cole had, had, had a, a few good seasons. Uh, sorry, York had a few had really good 99 uh, um, treble season. And then after that, you know, he started to enjoy being a United player a little bit too much and he kind of started losing his place. Remember, he had that great game. I think the first game you went to, the Arsenal 6-1, he had a great yeah. game. Patrick, uh, yeah. Yeah, in, in that game. But then I think you could you could kind of tell that 
he was gonna he was gonna leave soon. I think Fergie had seen enough of him and, and stuff like that. And and Fergie bought those players that had that short short shelf shelf, um, shelf life. Not everyone was gonna stick around for 10, 15 years. Um, some some came in, give give good three solid years, and then would be moved on. Uh, so if I was you, I would probably complete the uh, partnership and go for Colin York. Colin York, nicely done. Mark, would you agree or disagree? I would agree because I don't feel like you can have a partnership with either Cold or York and not have the other. I feel like, yeah. do you know what I mean? I think I think it's just yeah. When people it's... talk about Premier League partnerships and they mention Cold, what's the fact that you think of uh, York and vice versa? So it's like putting Vidic with Mikel Silvestre. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't. So, it doesn't work. And I think no, Mikel Silvestre as well, by the way, good servant for the club. And I your think... girlfriend, your girlfriend at the time when I saw you in Manchester near Selfridges was a bitch, by the way. So I got his autograph. I got his, I asked for his autograph because I seen it. I don't ask players for autographs, but I thought oh, I might as well I'm walking past mm. him. And his girlfriend at the time was just giving me the absolute stink eyes in to say, Why are you bothering me? I'm about <laughs> to go and spend dough at Harvey Nichols or whatever it was. But though she didn't yeah, earn. That is what I mean. That's what I mean. And just uh, a young lad like, oh Mikel, we a big light bulb head, just sign out mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my days, big light bulb head. Um, but yeah, no, I think I'll go for York and Cole. It, they seem like they're the inseparable duo. I mean, they didn't do it under Graham Sooners at Blackburn, but we care about Manchester United only on this podcast so far. So Andy Cole and Dwight York have got to be the ultimate partnership that we've seen as a Manchester United fan um, growing up as well. Again, we're talking about players that had a, I think you kind of said it best of late in terms of they didn't have the longest of sell-by dates or shelf dates as well. But the fact that they brought such joy in the short amount of time they were here, which is fantastic as well. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how these teams are received by people because we're going to have to put these out as a poll and see who gets the most votes. So just to round up everyone's team, we're going to go one by one. So Mark, your team was John O'Shea, Wesley Brown, Nani, Onigana Solskjaer and Louis Saha. Yeah. Decent, decent strike force up there. Double A, you've got Raymond van der Howe, one of the goalkeeper. Daily Blind. Jason Park, motherfucker, excuse me, um, Dimitar Berbatov <laughs> and Eric Cantona. So you've got a very attacking, very free-flowing attacking side as well, which is very good to see. I, however, have Dennis Irwin, Quinton Fortune, Brian Robson, who should be Sir Brian Robson in my opinion, um, Andy Cole and Dwight York as well. So again, I th- Mark, are we happy with our choices? Do we have to do this again, but with all-time Man United players, like with proper legends? I was more thinking about like, I know it sounds cliche, but I wasn't trying to think of like the best side. Well, I was thinking like players that I feel like just deserve like their mentions and their credit. I'm know? glad that we did that as well. But have you got it any was, more? It wasn't necessarily like he was going to be like the most popular five a side side team or the most like he's going to score like a hundred goals with like Jogger Benito. Or, nah, we could have cheated and gone Ronaldo Rooney and that, all of that. Yeah, I, I think for me, I'm I just want to, I just want to like mention players that I feel like. Ronnie Johnson's another one we forgot. Yeah, I was thinking about him. He, I, yeah, I was going to mention him. He was, was one I was going to put in. Good shout that Ronnie Johnson. I just, I just wanted the uh, versatility of uh, Daily yeah. Blind. That's why yeah. centre back, centre mid. Raphael as well. Raphael's a good shout. Raphael, yeah, outstanding servant. Uh, Would he go for Ander Herrera? That, Tevez, that Tevez moment. Yeah, I wouldn't go for Ander Herrera now. Nah, not I don't really, think I don't really think not. he did. I don't think he did enough footballing wise. I know, like pers- personality wise, like he talked a good game. Yeah, I don't think he did enough footballing wise, and I think the way he left was a bit sour. I, mm. yeah, I think I think his best moment was marking Hazard out of a game, wasn't it? So 
you know, yeah, you know how good it was. Yeah. Or spitting at the the city bag. Yeah, the city bag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fellaini? What I will say about Flaney, what I will say about Flaney is that he, I know people will, like, will say like, oh, he was an awful man out here. But for me, when you take away sort of like the, cir- like the circus, like whatever, for me, he's a successful sign, but just because he came in and did what he was expected to do. Like he wasn't, like he didn't, I know people can't, like, I know when you sign for Man United, people expect you to go beyond and above. But when people you're talking like, about him being the next Yaya Torre, because when you're someone like Fellaini, who you know they're they're quite limited in their ability, mm. if he if even if he get even if he replicates what he did at Everton, that's a success for him. And I know like the the manner that he came in wasn't great. I mean, it might have been like deadline day or whatever, but he came in and did what he was expected to do. Like you can't sign Fellaini expecting to, to to play like R nine. Like mm. when you sign Fellaini, he's more more often than not. You, you want him to 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 head the ball, you know what I mean? And you yeah. did that quite a lot. So for me, I think he was a successful signing. Maybe he just so, wasn't fashionable enough, but for me, he was a successful signing. For for me, Fellaini is the symbol of everything that's gone wrong at Manchester United. Yeah, I, agree. I agree. So I can't look at him favourably. Yeah, I, I agree with everything Mark's saying. He came in, he, he does what he's good at. He, he disrupts defences. He scores these these type of goals. That's what he's meant to do. But He's not a Manchester United player. He should never have played for Manchester United. Yeah, it was a, a, a desperate signing in a summer that was, you know, if this this transfer window just gone was going to be as bad as that one if we didn't get Anthony and Casemiro over the line, for me personally. So it still goes down as the worst window yeah. in Manchester United history. But he's just a symbol of everything that's gone wrong since. So I, I just can look at him and he it, it, it makes my, my skin crawl. No, <laughs> no. As a footballer, I agree. Like, I don't really rate him, but I just feel like in in hindsight, but like I expect what I got from Fellaini is what I expected. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I didn't. I wasn't expecting yeah. much, but he delivered <laughs> what I expected. One last I question for both of you before we wrap up, and I'll answer as well. Is there any player you think in this current Man United side would be a one to join this list? For example, do you think there's going to be one here who's going to be a cult hero in two, three years' time, or in five years' Martinez. time? Martinez. Martinez. Cult hero or legend? What do you think? I think cult hero. I think, I think to be a legend, you have to sort of like win things and just be outstanding. But I think with cult heroes, more more or less sort of like grabbing the the like pull, not pulling on the heartstrings, but sort of like doing things like that endear you to the fans. And I think he's already on that path where like he really performs, like he he gives it everything. And like I think as United fans, we love a bit of we love a player that just. Just wants to clean everyone out, <laughs> like as a defender. Anyway, like I don't want, to, I don't want to sound like a bastard or anything. Excuse my language, but like <laughs> we do love a defender that just wants to just win the ball, but at the same time just clear the clear the hell out of here. Mm. Yeet it out of the box. That's what we need to see. I have a, I have a sneaky feeling. This might just be my bias. I've a, I've had a bias from him since we've signed him, Christian Eriksen. I think he'll be a cult mm. hero if we can get a couple of cups with him. Maybe get up in the in the table. The way he started his his season as well, I said earlier this season as well when you signed him, he'll be a, an improvement on Paul Pogba, being a more consistent player, being a more progressive passer as well. Time will tell if that happens or not. Time will tell if he will consistently play the way he does. But I like to see Christian Eriksen have that 
that stake in history at Manchester United, not just being a Spurs player or, or just a Danish player or the me, guy that came back from the... I just think it just depends on how long he's at United for. Like, if he's there for, like, three, four years or whatever, then it's very possible. If it's maybe, like, a year or two, then it's going to be very hard. We'll see how it yeah. goes. And hopefully he has that he has that attachment to the fans where he can keep playing the way that he does as well and keeps playing the way that he can, which would be great. Dudley, any any suggestions from you? Yeah, um, you, I can't believe you both missed it. There already is a cult hero at Manchester United because Rashford. No, no, there's a player that has a cult online that follow him. Oh, Mark, I mean, you both know someone that Martial. is the leader of this cult. It's Martial FC. <laughs> I've never known a player have such a following than than here. Don't get me wrong, yeah, Martial is he's a great player when he wants to be a great player, and he reminds me a lot of Nani. It all mm. depends on if he can be bothered to do it. Um, but he has, I seen someone the other day, uh, this morning or today, basically saying to another United fan, don't you celebrate any goals that, that he scores? And it's like, bro, he plays for my football team. I can celebrate any goal I want. I hate yeah. Scott McTominay. If he scores, I'm going to celebrate. Mm. You can't tell. Just because I don't rate him or I don't like him, I can still celebrate a goal. Mm. And this is the thing with Martial FC fan, like, it's a bat, it's a cult, and and yeah, so he's already him anyway, so he's already plays. But I do think Scott McTominay will become a cult hero for the team. I just think he's going to be around long enough where he becomes looked upon 10, 15 years down the line as a, a, a great player. And oh, rightly yeah. or wrongly, I just think he might become a cult hero. But Marshall is already there, so yeah, definitely him. Also, one last one for our previous one, Darren Fletcher. I forgot to mention him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, real great shout. I'm surprised he didn't get picked. To he was honest. in my thoughts, to be fair. But yeah. I think with my with me, I just my side looked a bit too much like the old seven side, and I didn't want it to be like yeah, the old yeah. seven side. So yeah. I was like, if, it, if I didn't get Park, I would have gone and go for Fletcher. Yeah. But I, I managed to sneak Park in, so that's a uh, great delight for me, Hans. Do you, do you want to swap him out, and I'll take Park? No, I'm okay, thank you. My you sure? You sure? You sure? You sure? I'm happy with my team. I'm happy. That's with okay. Nah, that's all good. And hopefully, everyone listening is happy with the teams that we've got as well. Um, if you are a Man United fan, if you listen to some of these players, we recommend listening. If you were to watch one of these online, I'd say Brian Robson, one Sebastian Veron, Nani, even they're very good players to watch in their prime and in their pomp as well. So, um, no, I think we think we all did a very good job. But now it's up to the public to see who has done the best job. And I probably think Double A. Um, may have the best five-a-side team on paper as well, but we'll see no, what happens. I think, I think both of yours are great. I, I was thinking of mine and I was like, I'm the only one that's gone for a keeper. Will that hinder me? And Robson and, and Cole in York is, is is a great team. I mean, Mark's got John O'Shea who can play keeper as well. He was thinking in 2042, not 2022. That's what Mark yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think it'll be a close race, definitely. I think all three teams are, are brilliant. Now it'll be really good to see how it goes. And um, just again, thank you very much both for your time today. It's been great to chat to you. So uh, before we wrap up the podcast, I wanted to say, if you want to do more of these and you want to hear more of these as well, um, more different types of topics, more flashback, more nostalgia topics, be um, letting us know. Do let us know on Instagram because we had a few messages saying we like these kind of content. So I'd happily do these every day of the week. And if I've got the pleasure of talking to Mark and to double A all the time, I'd love it as well. So if we need to do a part two regarding Manchester United, double A, would you be down in terms of all timers or the foreign players or English players? I want, to, I want to see five aside of stinkers, the worst players we've ever seen. In a David oh. Bellion, Jemba Jemba, we're there for it. We're there I for it. I think we probably all have like the same oh. side anyway. Cruyff. Oh. <laughs> 
You just do the season. You just do last season's team. To be fair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Morgan Schneiderlin, you're in there, so I'm just oh, get you yes. in there as well. Yes, please, I'm all over that. Thank you. Needs to be done. Uh, Mark, um, any closing messages before we wrap up? Are we are we going to see more from you this season for Enfield United? I'm just get fit first. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> At this rate, like bloody hell, I'm going to spend most of the time on the sidelines. Um, yeah, I'm going to try, man. Like, just try and get fit and whatnot. Try and try and bag some goals. But yeah, I'm going to try. No, that's fantastic. I love to hear it as well. And double A, are we going to see any more surprising appearances from you in the media? You're all over the place this time, and I'm loving it as well. We're we going to see. Are we expecting any more? Maybe Stretford Paddock. Maybe could we? Could we see? That? <laughs> I don't know about Stratford Paddock. I'm just, I'm just trying to do my thing, mate. Really, I just, you know, seem to be. I was on the United Stand as well. I don't know if I said I mentioned that before. You I did, did and I watched it. It was fantastic. And vlog, and vlog for them as well. But I mean, yeah. I'm just, I'm just enjoying getting my face out there. And you know, we had Vooch on the on talking kit um, last week, which was uh, which was brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm just plugging away. Uh, we still need yourself and Mark. You're always welcome on talking kit. Um, so we'll have to sort that out soon, but I'm just just doing just doing what I can, mate. Just doing what I can. I'd love to do it, and I'd love to see it soon as well. It'd be fantastic. And with my new edition of my new Germany kit, I can't wait to show that off as well, even more, which is fantastic. So, um, again, we'll leave your descriptions for both Mark and for Double A's in the description below. I'm pretty sure you should all be following that by now because we've had them on a number of times on our podcast. So both fantastic content creators that we've got here as well everyone thank you very much for listening to our podcast double a and mark thank you very much for your time hope to see you both soon take care and good night thank you safe thank you